if you missed the live stream, we wouldn't want you to miss this very important this, news story. Yeah, this is too important of something that happened within American politics to yes. let all of the people who unfortunately did not make it to the super fun, really cool, and exciting live stream that we mm -hmm. had to cover the third GOP debate. Yeah, for those of you that have been coming to our live streams, you know, before the debate starts, we usually cover some news and uh -huh. talk about our predictions. And we covered one very important piece of news that I would be remiss if we did not go over again it would because be, you all need to know. It would be damn near immoral. To not let our audience yeah. know about this. Yeah, one. it would be an egregious omission. Uh huh. Unacceptable. <laughs> Unacceptable. Uh, we be, would be morally condemned. You'd have to condemn us much like you condemn Hamas. Exactly. We one in the same. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm just gonna um, I'm gonna read this headline to you all. Yeah. And you can uh, I don't know, write in the comments, message us, put on your own Instagram story how it makes you feel, mm -hmm. like just your immediate gut reaction, to how reaction. This information makes you feel. Mike Johnson admits he and his son monitor each other's porn intake in resurfaced video. This is so sick. And something that's important to note with this uh, this video that we talked about on the live is that this is not a video from 10 years ago. This is a video from last year. Last year, 2022. Year. This is something he actively does yeah, he, right now. He was at some kind of conference doing some kind of speech, and he's talking about this app, this accountability software called Covenant Eyes. Yeah. And apparently it, it monitors your phone's information. It scans the activity and... I think he said it takes like a screenshot of everything you do every one minute or something. We, we had found out that it takes a screenshot every one minute of like your phone, I think, to put together into an accountability report that gets mm -hmm. sent to your accountability yeah. buddy at the end of every week. However, if you're doing something, I don't know, particularly egregious, it'll immediately send a notification to your accountability partner of what the egregious thing you're doing and, is. And here's the, the cherry on top for this story. Yeah. Mike Johnson says this. He says, quote, it sends a report to your accountability partner. My accountability partner right now is Jack, my son. He's 17, <laughs> so he and I get a report about all the things that are on our phones, all of our devices, once a week. If anything objectionable comes up, your accountability partner gets an immediate notice. I'm proud to tell you, my son has got a clean slate. This is the current speaker of the house for <laughs> the Republican Party. Second in line for the presidency. Second in line to the presidency. He and his son monitor each other's porn intake. What the fuck is going on? It's insane. Imagine you're, uh, you're Mike Johnson's son and you're sitting in class one day because you're 17, you're a minor, and you get a little <laughs> notification that pops up on your phone, your dad's watching porn. Uh -huh. Your dad's watching porn. Yeah, That's crazy. He didn't say he has a clean slate. He said his That's son has a clean very slate. very true. This is very true. Imagine you're sitting in class again, you're, or maybe you're just about to leave class. Notification, it's Mike Johnson's Johnson. He's sending a pic to his wife. <laughs> and you get that on and your you phone. And you see it. That's crazy. That's your father. Yeah. Oh my That's God. That's gotta be a traumatizing experience. This is like the, the what, the average evangelical experience? Yeah, or it's like, how, how does it know like what's porn and what isn't? Like what happens if this kid opens up Instagram mm -hmm. and he follows a meme page, God forbid, oh, and the, yeah. one of those fucking OnlyFans ads pops Dad, it's up. not my fault. Dad, bro, I promise you, dude, they post funny stuff, it's just sometimes. It's paid ads, it's not his fault. Oh my God, paid ads, and they just slip through the algorithm every time. Yeah, uh, anyways, that's a wacky story, dare I say. A beyond parody about our Speaker of the House that we've been waiting to hear from. It's good that we support. Yeah. This guy, the hero of Gaza, and you know, remember? It's, it, it's crazy and maybe indicative of the political climate nowadays that this is not the craziest thing he said ever. <laughs> you know what I mean? He, this is like surface this level stuff. Tame. Yeah. This is tame. Look like, at the op-eds that like, he's written. 
any other politician, like if, uh, I don't know, fucking John Fetterman did this. Oh, it'd be every over. Republican would be like, yeah, now I know why he dresses like that. And it's just, if Joe Biden did this, the pedophile allegations oh, would yeah. be going way are you kidding? up, way up. But suddenly when it's a Christian evangelical, it's fine. Mm-hmm. What are we talking about? I want to be accountability partners with Hunter Biden. Mm. Oh, that would be sick. <laughs> My phone would be blowing up. So it would not. You'd need a second phone. <laughs> A trap phone just yeah. to look at Hunter Biden's intake. <laughs> yeah, oh that should be bing, 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 and, uh, bing. That is, that's all to say that um, we're adding a new tier to the Patreon <laughs> for, I don't know, X amount of dollars a month. We haven't decided yet. You and I could be a par- accountability partners mm-hmm. and we, we could have that with each other. It's just the next step in being real friends, which we are with all of our patrons. Yeah, real friends monitor each other's porn intake. Exactly. That's what real friends do for exactly. each other. Exactly. And then you could, you could, we could send texts. Oh, good shit, man. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Real human normal fe- uh, friends monitor each other's porn intake. Exactly. That's, what, that's what we do around it's, here. It's like how it's like when you and your group of friends get like Life 360 as a joke, mm-hmm. so you can like watch over each other. Like, oh, I see. Oh, you're speeding over there. Oh, I see you're watching some or, crazy or did shit you ever, right now. Did you ever hear that like poop app or whatever? You marked every time you took a shit. <laughs> no, that was like a thing. I never participated in that because I thought I thought that was a bit too far. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But um, yeah. If you want to be our accountability partners. $6,000 a month. <laughs> oh, $6,000 a month with an extra, I think, sixteen ninety nine on top of that to pay for the monthly subscription to Covenant Eyes. It's only fair, really. Exactly, because yeah. you have to pay to be able to monitor your kid's porn intake. Mm-hmm. That's crazy. He could have just, like, blocked stuff on the internet. Yeah, he did not have to do all this. Oh, my goodness. He could have just done the, he could have just not got his son a phone. Yeah. He could have just yeah, done, the, like, honestly, the classic conservative parent. Golly, that's so good. He's good guy, Mike Johnson. Welcome back to Head in the Office, everybody. On this episode, we got some debate coverage coming your way. That's right. We got some election news coming your way. Good news all around. And then we got some uh, intense Theory. political discussion yeah. coming your way. Philosophy at the end of this episode. Uh, before we get into the episode, though, I will remind you all, we are almost to our Q&A goal. We are so close. Literally inches away from our Q&A goal. Uh-huh. And if you want to be able to ask us questions, have us answer your questions, you got to go and become a patron. Patreon.com slash head in the office pod. It's all over there for you. And on top of that, it's not just a QA. You also get early access to our episodes. Exactly. That's so fun. Uh you can help us beat the news cycle because uh as as we don't have a dedicated segment for today, I'll just say it right off the bat. Mm. We're gonna there's gonna be a government shutdown on Friday. Nice. The appropriations <laughs> bill that or not appropriations, the the budget that Mike Johnson proposed was like a two-tier budget with different like dates for each thing. There's one for supplemental spending, one for like essential government functions and Democrats are like, no, obviously not. Just do a regular stopgap. Yeah. Just just do a regular budget. Stop being weird. And he, he they won't do it. So yeah, that's, you know, that's that update for the I, week. I think this is another sign of the times that there's so much going on that I forgot about the impending government shutdown. Yeah. Right? We got debate coverage. We have um, all the discourse on the left that we have to talk about today. And uh, outside of all of that is like the very real threat that the government's not going to be able to uh, the very stay real threat that federal employees are not going to get paid. Yeah, furloughed. <laughs> yeah, be crazy. What the hell? Oh my goodness. Uh, but yeah, that that seems like it's coming up. Um, or maybe they could pull a, a debt ceiling where it's like thirteen hours. Before oh, it's they done. could just extend it again. Yeah. Well, they could uh, <laughs> continuing resolution uh, theoretically, right? They could do it. <laughs> maybe past Christmas, past the New Year, New Year, New Them. I don't oh, know. Fuck yeah. Anyways, if you want to find other ways to support the show, you can go and buy some merch at headintheoffice.com. Mm-hmm. Everything's there for you. Christmas present. Christmas right around the corner. Oh, Hol- you know what? I'll be inclusive. Gift. The holidays right around That's the corner. Right. I, I know a lot of you listen with family members, maybe a significant other. Maybe they really want some Hitto merch, but I haven't yeah. bit the bullet yet. I distinctly remember two weeks ago, one person's dad 
was leaving a review. Nice. Get your son or daughter or your child some uh, Hitto merch. Exactly. Get your offspring some merch. Exactly. Your angel seed, investor if you will. Shirt, your seed uh, manifest. A hat. Or even, you know, if, you wanna, if you're trying to save some money, penny pinch around the holidays, uh-huh. sticker sheet. Easy peasy. Come on. Let's go. Let's Think go. about it. Think about it. You can also subscribe to us on YouTube. Follow us on TikTok. You probably came from there. You but know uh, the whole spiel. Everywhere wanna, else. It's all in the description. If you want to support the show completely for free, though, maybe help us get on that new and noteworthy on Apple Podcasts. Grow the show. You can leave a five-star review. Uh, just like these wonderful people seven it of them seems like our <laughs> our calls last week were certainly heated mm-hmm. you noted them and you executed in a beautiful way fucking fan behavior i'm <laughs> saying i can't believe these I don't, people i don't know if the um our our listeners would appreciate if we just switch up we're, we're begging last episode and now we're acting all high and mighty this episode <laughs> you can't well, make yeah, us happy that's the that's the that's uh, our charm <laughs> that's that's what we do around that's the hit that's charm. what we do in these parts but let's yeah. get into them this first review from payer meet Mm. The best leftist podcast. Just want to start off by saying I condemn Hamas. I'm glad you did. I wouldn't have known otherwise. I first <laughs> found Jeremy engaged through TikTok and found them to be funny and informative. Mm, I started listening to the podcast and have now upgraded from a Wednesday weenie to a Sunday sermon listener. Mm. The boys always have good, well thought out takes on just about every issue. You will you will see that later today. Yeah. Keep up the good work. We will. Yeah, we will try much. our hardest to again another model review. We've we've got more criteria this time. If you mm. want to have like the best review, yeah, it's got it. Got to shill for the Patreon for yes, us. That, that's a must. Got to talk about how funny we are, and you got to condemn Hamas. You have to condemn. Hamas. You have to. If you don't come condemn Hamas, I'm going to think that you are Hamas. Yeah, those are really the only two. How options. do I know? Yeah, <laughs> how do how would I know? Uh, moving swiftly on, our next review is from Gavin Garcia. Only podcast to never have a bad take. I'm saying each week I tune in to watch. Uh, two beautiful dudes explore each other's bodies, not only explore each other's bodies, but also explore the ales uh, afflicting various bodies of government. I found you guys on TikTok and your podcast has been a breath of fresh air and I'm slowly indoctrinating my friends and family. Living in Texas, the wild takes I hear from my family members and coworkers make me feel like I'm losing my mind. But listening to this weekly sermon helps me remain sane. Love you both. P.S. I do condemn Hamas. I'm glad you tacked that on the end there. But uh, speaking of your your family members and having to listen to takes from them, keep in mind we if maybe if you're oh, a new listener, I about this. we do have our annual third annual. That's crazy holiday pregame episode coming up two episodes from now uh, next week. No. Yeah, right? Oh, yes. Yeah, Thanksgiving's next week. Next episode, holiday pregame. Get yeah. ready. Get yeah. ready to duke it out at the dinner table. We'll help you every step of the way. Yeah, for those of you that, that celebrate Thanksgiving, we'll be um, launching our... It, it'll technically be holiday pregame number four, because we did two last year. Oh, we we did two the first year. Did we? Yeah. I don't know if we did two last year. I think we did. I think we're on number four now. Oh, that's crazy, because we did one for uh, uh, Christmas. Or maybe... Yeah, you might be right. Maybe we did two the first year. Either, Either way, way, we're going to have a holiday pregame episode. I believe it's the one that comes out after this one. Mm-hmm. So episode 124. Uh, and we'll uh, do as we did last year, go through all the arguments you might encounter and uh, give you the perfect rebuttal so you can be prepared for whatever argument yeah, comes Yeah, debate your lord your family members. Uh, it's, it's super sick and fun. Yeah, yeah. Our next review... We have good podcast from, oh, fuck me. Ryder Sol. Ryder Solikowski. There you go. Hello, Hiddo Boys. I'm back for my yearly five-star review to get you guys on new and noteworthy. He gets it. Mm. I'm about halfway through a degree in economics, sorry. And despite what you may think, it actually makes a somewhat decent amount of sense as a science and not all economists think line go up equals good. The issue is that a lot of economists are C-plus students who think line go up is good. So make of that what you will. But thanks to you guys for keeping me sane throughout all the beyond parody news that is u.s politics 10 out of 10 love you boys yeah i will say that when we 
talk about like um i don't know harvard or whatever being a demon factory mm-hmm. it's not so much that the professors there don't know what they're talking about they're usually very knowledgeable in their fields yeah. it's that a lot of them don't challenge the assumptions that drive the economy forward if we're talking mm-hmm. about economics or political science or any other field really they don't really think about the underlying assumptions or presuppositions that we make about capitalism being good or capitalism being just or the way American democracy is organized being just. They know a lot about the the systems and intricacies and the minute details, but what we want to hear is um, why the system needs to change entirely. Oh yeah, economics is a science, completely fine. We've talked, we use economic arguments a good bit, maybe not recently, but especially like I'm thinking of when uh, Silicon Valley Bank failed. Mm-hmm. We had a lot of economic arguments going on there and it's economics as a science isn't bad, it's just how it gets bastardized and used by uh, conservative think tanks yeah. and these crazy uh, conservative political figures that makes it awful. Yeah. They use the guise of economics to just say, um, the obese are milking welfare, uh, yeah. if you will. Or, or like your liberal economic economics professor who really understands capitalism but doesn't really think too much about if capitalism is just probably Mm -hmm. knows what they're talking about yeah they probably have it right like uh when they're talking about supply demand how things will change how it interacts micro and macro um but yeah our our what we want to do is critique the uh the underlying assumptions that never really get challenged Mm -hmm. um so they have their space of course they're experts in the field but um i think we're right that's what I'm saying. <laughs> <laughs> Moving on to our next review here by X Charger, Truth to Power. They say, Jeremy and Gage, you guys never fail to impress. Wow. I appreciate you guys taking President Biden to task for his meaningless euphemism of requesting humanitarian pause and the pretense that we're powerless to influence the Israeli government. Jewish people I've spoken to are understandably fearful and argue that Israel has a right to defend themselves. I I agree and believe the recent example of the United States response to 9-11 shows extremist violence in response to extremist violence won't result in greater security for Israeli Jews or the Jewish diaspora worldwide. I think that's the correct take. Mm-hmm. Uh, thank you for easing into this painful subject by starting off with the much lower stakes <laughs> of the Ron DeStiletto's big boy boots. Yeah, did that's kind of what we try to do. Did you see Trump's comments about that? No. Trump, I I, care, I don't know if it was a was tweet the video? or if it was was a truth social thing but i think he he tweeted the video and then he said something that my favorite part of the debate was watching ron DeSantis walk off because <laughs> he can't put his foot too far he ahead of his body looks like he's in ice skates oh my god well and i saw the video too nbc did not need to post that <laughs> but it looked like he was in immense pain no, they, trying to walk they needed to pose that oh that's, yeah it's they, so good that's better than any question they could have asked him because he's wearing the boots on stage after getting called out anyways we'll get to that though well because then people would compare his heights <laughs> they'd yeah. start comparing heights and they'd realize hold on a minute <laughs> he, he's locked in when, once you start faking being tall once you put the platforms on you can never take the platforms well, off the, at the podiums don't they have like boosters there or like steps that everyone stands on oh they might but I don't think it like I think they're all the same height so it's not gonna like even people out but uh-huh. it already makes you appear taller I think <laughs> whatever that's good, that's good. next one uh, best leftist pod by AZB157 I used to listen to the pod save boys but they are always up Biden's ass mm. not to mention after the Israel-Palestine conflict they keep calling it Israel versus Hamas even though the majority of people dying are yeah. Palestinians excellent point to make but their humanity doesn't matter because they're Muslims I went looking for a, a pod that gave me the news but didn't also annoy me with bad takes thank you guys for being exactly what i'm looking for y'all are funny and sarcastic in the perfect way yeah um it's we'll get to it but i i constantly feel like we are the only ones some of the only ones there's other people with good takes but we are some of the only left-leaning leftist creators that actually fucking care to go through the nuance no literally Uh. 
to explain like the, our principles and why we believe these things and actually just come through with policy. Yeah. Come through with policy. Or like it's even in the way that we talk about these things, as this reviewer kind of alludes to, right? Like liberals will frame it as Israel's war with Hamas. They'll frame Hamas's attack as a terrorist attack, but Israel as responding, mm -hmm. right? Rather than doing a terrorist attack of their own. Right. It's in like it's it's in the language that we use to talk about these issues. And it's just uh it's really annoying to see one, liberals do exactly what I expected them to do. Yeah. But of course, as we'll talk about le uh, later, leftists be um not very intelligent. On the other end of things. So many people. It's still, I still see people talking about Hamas being freedom fighters. Yeah. thought we were past this discussion. Yeah. I, I really did. All right. Second to last uh, review here by Matt M805. Heck of a good pod. They say, do you enjoy news politics presented with a leftist perspective? Do you enjoy hearing good takes with a sensible blend of seriousness and tasteful humor? Do you condemn Hamas? Yes. <laughs> then this pod is for you. <laughs> At first, I was skeptical because Fox News told me that saying our government should try to slightly improve our quality of life means you're a Marxist socialist that hates America. But now I think maybe they just say that because they like money. Or maybe both are true. Oh, Maybe yeah. both are true. The guys keep it fun, thoughtful, and informative, always leaving me looking forward to the next one from beautiful Ventura, California. I say, keep up the good work, guys. Of course, California liberal. Oh, exactly. Yeah, sure, sure. California. Cal everyone there's a socialist. living out there in Gavin Newsom's domain expansion. That's crazy. <laughs> <laughs> that's crazy. Shout out to you, uh, those of you that understand that <laughs> that's, joke. That's right. That's right. Yeah. Next review by Nick Pet. No more tears for Gage. Five stars, y'all. It's that simple. Don't let Gage cry over his Cheerios another Sunday. This is the realest friends. I These are the realest friends I've ever made. No parasocial relationship here. Just genuine leftist love. Yeah. And I have to say, I give it back to you and everyone else uh, also on the Patreon specifically. <laughs> yeah, I really like that a lot of our listeners just really lead into the not parasocial <laughs> thing. I know I, I actually like unironically, I really it's love so it. It's so funny. It's like it's like our own little hitto thing that we yeah. do. You know what I it's mean? It's like that people talking about the Sunday sermon who else is chilling for patreon in the reviews like yeah. come yeah. on uh, i i feel like you know what if if i'm gonna toot my own horn before we get into talking about war crimes yeah um i feel like our community best community we fostered a good and funny community mm -hmm. most importantly funny yeah funny good hilarious exactly in that order of it, things that are important yep 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 uh all right getting into the news before we talk about the debates i figured we could do a quick update on israel uh, and just let you guys know what's going on. This isn't going to be as long as it's been previously because lots of other news to talk about. And it's more of the same, really. Mm -hmm. Not too much has changed regarding Israel and Palestine. We've reached more than 11,000 Palestinians dead at this point. Um, Palestinians not related to Hamas, notably. Uh, I believe we crossed that number on Friday or Saturday. Yeah. And more than a third are children still. Innocent people dying, obviously. Children dying from this is a war crime, right? Like, these these are children that are not related to Hamas in any way. They're fucking children. Netanyahu said on Saturday that the IDF will not govern or administer basic services in Gaza after the massacre ends. He didn't say massacre. That's my editorializing. What does administer basic services mean? Health I, services, because they've crippled the hospital system. Does that mean they're also shutting off water again? Well, they might let water go through. Oh, okay. All right. Those, uh, knights in Good. shining armor. <laughs> Thank God, right? Uh, they said that they're not going to administer basic services in Gaza, but they said they will continue to, to, uh, to control security. They said this doesn't mean occupation, but what else would that mean yeah, if it's not occupation? Quite literally occupation just like from outside. Yeah, like it, it doesn't matter if they are in Gaza or outside, if they're controlling every single thing that flows in. Well, I'd call it an occupation. And it's like, 
security from outside is what was happening to Gaza beforehand, right? Largest yeah. open air prison in the world. They had the walls up. The IDF monitored those walls. But if they're talking, if they were just going to go back to that, why not just say we're going to restore what we were doing before, go back to normalcy? It implies, Here they're saying, yeah, it, it implies that something new is uh -huh. happening. Here they're saying they're going to continue to maintain security forces, which to me means they're going to have troops inside of Gaza reoccupying it as they had uh, back pre-2005, I think. Something like that. Yeah. So I don't, I don't know what else this could mean. As I alluded to, though, uh, the World Health Organization, famously a fairly pro-Western group, mm -hmm. has said publicly that the Gazan hospital system is, quote, on its knees as ambulances, hospitals, and clinics have been hit in more than 250 attacks from the IDF since October 7th. Yeah, it is crazy how there was so much discourse about whether or not Israel actually yeah. uh, hit a, shot a missile at that one hospital. Uh, maybe it was uh, Hamas accidentally launching a rocket at their own. Here, look, here, here's an audio recording of two Hamas mm -hmm. leaders talking about it that we didn't make up at all just for them to turn around and actually just do it like yeah. a bunch of times actually yeah and hit ambulances and clinics the, and the, all kinds of um civilian infrastructure the ambulance thing was crazy because they came out and they dropped another video of what they claim is hamas two people in Ham or one guy in hamas and one civilian where the hamas guy is saying yeah actually i can take any ambulance that i want to go deliver these weapons i can take any ambulance i want after they got pushback oh, for like bombing a, as, a fucking ambulance. As a pretext for just, like, dropping bombs on all of them. Yeah. So I, I recently watched this um this clip with Anna Kasparian and who's the fucking... Um, Shank Uger? No, the, the, uh, the dude that we talked about last week. Ron DeSantis went on his show. Uh, the dude who gave him the boots and asked about him. That guy. I can't remember okay, his name. Right. Um, that's going to bother me. Is he like a right-wing commentator, leftist commentator? Yeah, he's like the right-wing financial podcast guy. Patrick Bad Davis. Yes, yes, yep. thank you. I don't know why I always forget his name. Anna Kasparian was on his show. Okay. And he was asking her about her take on Palestine and Gaza. Um, and surprising, not surprisingly, Anna Kasparian usually has good takes. It's just she had really bad transphobic takes beforehand. <laughs> yeah. Anna Kasparian was basically saying, and I think this take is correct, that if a terrorist kidnapped your mother, was holding her hostage, would security forces, the American government, be justified in just shooting through her to get to the terrorist <laughs> right like what yeah w would that be okay if it meant taking out the terrorist of course not no. you can't just kill innocent civilians you can't just destroy civilian infrastructure because you're hurting far more than just the terrorist group and importantly you're not changing the conditions that actually brought hamas to the forefront to begin with and it's also crazy because like a more ana analogy perfect but if we wanted to get more analogous mm -hmm. with it if a terrorist had 100 people, 100 civilians lined up in front of him in order to block uh, block him from getting shot, and you shot through all 100 yeah. people just to get to him sure, anyway, yeah. were you justified in doing that? Of course not. If a terrorist got under 100 people piled up on top of him and you still dropped the bomb, was that justified? Yeah. Yeah. No, of course not. Um I think that that sums up just about everything I had to say on Israel and Palestine. More war crimes are happening, of course, as the mm -hmm. world watches. Nothing's really changing. But uh, another uh, another interesting thing to come okay. out of that conflict this week is that it, I, ironically, as the Palestinian death toll continues to creep up past 11,000, mm -hmm. Israel has come out and revised their death toll from the original October 7th massacre, saying that they overcounted 200 originally. And I don't, I don't bring this up to say that that lessens what happened to people at the dance festival yeah. or Israelis who were massacred on that day by Hamas unjustly. I just bring it up to point out the irony 
yeah. of everything that's going on. And it, as as Palestinian death toll creeps up and up and up, civilians, 4,000 children have been killed. They're lowering their numbers? Yeah. Come on. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's not like so much of a miscount that I would think that they used they, they intentionally inflated their numbers to make it seem worse, right? Because mm-hmm. like 1200 if that's still the number, yeah. is still pretty bad. And it was it was hectic. It was yeah. crazy. There was a lot going on. But the irony of the situation. Yeah, but here. it's it's interesting because Hamas or Palestinian authorities or even outside observers that are doing death counts are always told like, yeah, they're lying, right? The president mm-hmm. of the United States was like, I have no reason to believe the death toll, yeah, they, and now we have yeah. the IDF here just lying. The somebody or from being wrong, the State Department recently came out and said there's reason to believe that the death toll is even higher than what the uh, of course, what yes. the Palestinian Health Ministry is reporting, which, yeah, obviously. Yeah. I, I, I feel like it's a little ignorant to say that, oh, just the numbers that they can confirm are the numbers that happened when tens of thousands of people have been injured and in carpet bombing for a month. Yeah, and, like, uh, people are going to be trapped under rubble, right? It's a mm-hmm. it's a city, right? It's the most densely populated place on the planet. It's like of, the size of, of Detroit, isn't it? Yeah. yeah nuts. Yeah. 2.2 million people in Detroit. Uh-huh. Like it's uh it's obviously the death toll is higher than what can be counted because they're yeah they're just carpet bombing the whole place it's gonna look like the moon soon mm-hmm. like it's yeah of course uh does that end us on I Israel think that, Palestine that ends everything that I had seen this week for that yeah, yeah not a whole lot new there but it's uh it's getting worse and we are over a month in mm-hmm. and it's it doesn't seem like it's gonna get any better. But time to move on to our debate coverage. Yes. Again, if you came out to the live stream, thank you very much. If you still want to watch the VOD, the replay is on our YouTube. The debate itself was about two hours long, um, but we talked uh, about various things exactly. in the hour it's leading up to it. really like a three and a half hour extended episode. Exactly. Yeah. It's good. So if you want to go watch that, it's available for you on YouTube. Uh, but yeah, another month, another dog shit, meaningless debate down the drain that uh, we'll talk about for uh, about 30 minutes. Another today. participation <laughs> contest going yeah. on. See who gets second, maybe. So uh, let's do classic kiddo fashion. Go candidate by candidate and assess each of their performance. Hell yeah. And I have a couple of clips we'll listen to. When we get to various candidates, starting off with Ron DeSantis, I the big man, he did better than previous debates. Probably his best performance so far. Absolutely, he he really he came out the gate swinging with his yeah. opening statement. Uh, I don't think he kept up the anti-Trump momentum like he should have. No, he said he said one thing about Trump the whole time. Yeah, didn't he? but he talked more and yes. didn't fumble when he talked. Yeah, he had. Um, I think. And it's like we're judging against like the bar being in hell, right? Mm-hmm. So it, like relative to his other performances, it's pretty easy to do better. But yeah, he had one attack off against Donald Trump, which is bizarre to me because again, he, like Donald Trump is the guy he needs to attack to win. If Ron DeSantis is, you know, at least in first place in most of the polls, then he doesn't need to quibble with the rest of them. He needs mm-hmm. to go after Donald Trump. But he's not really effectively doing that. He's just, he said one thing at the beginning, and I thought he was going to turn the heat up on Donald Trump and focus on him the whole time, but he didn't, and that's why I think it's it's not really going to be material to anything. It's like, I, I would love to sit in and just be a fly on the wall on one of their campaign strategy meetings, because you, you got to consider, like, Ron DeSantis' come up is in the wake of Donald Trump. Yeah. Like his come up is solely because of uh, keeping Florida open, literally fucking hating every member of the LGBTQ. Well, and you can notice that he borrows all of his rhetoric from Trump. He said, I'm actually going to build the wall. Yeah. He's going to like ramp up. uh, He didn't say drone strikes, but he's going to do all the same foreign policy shit that Donald Trump did. Like none of it is distinct from Trump in any way. He just does it less charismatically. So it's like when when you come up in his wake and you're biting all of his policies, 
you can't separate yourself from him mm. at all. And any attempt that you do make to try to separate him will just alienate the people that gave you support and put you in this position in the first place. It's, yeah. it's untenable. Yeah, it keeps you locked at 15%, <laughs> which is not, not a winning margin, right? You just can't do it. My favorite moment was uh, my favorite moment for Ron DeSantis in this debate was when he said that to fund border security <laughs> and the border wall, he was going to tax the remittances of immigrants. This is the money that That's- immigrants send back to their families when working there or when working in the United States, which is crazy to me because like that's the point of a lot of immigrants coming to the U.S. Mm-hmm. for solid work that they can use to fund their families back home. Exactly. I thought that was like the American dream, but I guess not. <laughs> so many so many immigrants come over here solely to work, to work yeah. as hard as they can using the strength of the U.S. dollar. Below minimum to, wage. Below minimum wage. And they use the relative strength of the U.S. dollar compared to whatever country we ravaged that they came from. <laughs> yeah, Honduras, Nicaragua. Exactly. Yeah. And they try to live off as little as they can here while sending as much money back to their families so that they can have a good life wherever they are. And mm-hmm. Rod says, nope. Yeah. Actually, no. And like if your immediate response is, well, they should bring their entire family. That shit's difficult. You can't just <laughs> bring your entire family over here. It's it's hard enough for one individual to get into work. Yeah. You think that they're going to like, obviously, they want to send some money back to their families. And DeSantis said, I'm going to tax the money, probably the hardest working people <laughs> in the country. I'm going to tax their money to make it so less people can come in. I'm going to tax blue collar workers mm-hmm. harder than anyone else to make sure that they can't send money to families who need it. It seems like our hypothesis that every GOP debate is just who hates the most immigrants. A yeah. contest for who hates the most immigrants is uh, it's standing true, has not been disproven just yet. Uh, and I guess the last thing I'd say about Ron DeSantis is, um, of course, he had a horrible take on Israel. All of them have oh a horrible take God, on Israel. Yeah. But it's like all of their takes are identical. It's not even really worth talking about because we've been debunking those takes for the past, what, four weeks at this point? Yeah, past month. Yeah. So it's like... Whatever Ron DeSantis said about Israel um, is is basically the same as what everyone else said. Because there was a point where Vivek was like, "I'll take it a step further," then he just repeated their points. Yeah, and then <laughs> like, and then later on in the debate, he said something about how Israel should be responsible for defending itself. And it's like you would think that would imply that it's you don't never want been to responsible send money for them. <laughs> they can only defend themselves because of us. Yes. It would like just to get it straight, but. I thought he was going to break from everywhere else and be the real, like, America first guy. He didn't, though. But no. No, he has no spine. Uh, overall tight performance by uh, DeSantis, about as tight as his boots, but not enough. <laughs> not enough. Not going to get him the dub. Moving on to Nikki Haley. Uh, Nikki Haley, I would say, and our, I think our community would agree, at least those that watch the debate, Nikki Haley probably won. Oh, yeah. Uh, overall winner. Best pick it, for this debate. I, I never, I never would have thought that Nikki Haley was going to be the person who would come out, like, all, clearly on top for almost all three debates. Yeah, and most, like firmly in second when she didn't. Yeah, like the most human-like person on stage. Yeah. Right, because like none of them are humans. They're all demons, right? It's, yeah. But it's important to acknowledge when they appear human-like. It's it's like all of her, all of her, well, except for when the- When they trick the human eye. Except for the insane foreign policy and anti-immigration takes. Holy shit, yeah. Her takes on domestic issues felt like, I don't want to say liberal- but like they felt very focus tested, uh-huh. considering where the GOP is right now, positioned as the biggest losers in, demo- in like this yeah, democracy. They were either very vague and so vague to the point where you couldn't really parse out what the outcome would be, or they were just like a repackaging of the majority position, the consensus position in the country, like for abortion, and yeah. we'll get there in a moment. Um, but yeah, her and I, I said she was the most human like um, and this is how I felt for most of the debate because it, it focused a lot on foreign policy. I felt as Too though much on foreign policy, we got like her wheelhouse, quote unquote, ostensibly is foreign policy, but they got so much in the weeds and 
operated on so many assumptions that you can't challenge all at once that it's hard to like parse out what the actual take is beyond either saber saber rattling intentionally increasing tensions or just saying like i want to nuke iran yeah you know what i mean like it's so much of their takes just boil down to that that there's not really much else to say well i guess it's like that that was her like major contra- the like an hour and 15 minutes of this two-hour debate was solely focused on foreign policy mm-hmm. it was uh mostly china israel uh ukraine yep. uh israel being the least surprisingly uh, like, surprisingly considering everything that's been going on for the past month but whatever um her major contribution to that discussion was probably just, I want to enter war with Iran. Yeah, with Iran. it's, it's like, crazy. And, like, all of them basically agree with her. And that's especially wild because, like, they talk about increasing tensions with Iran uh, or how Iran needs to be, like, stopped or whatever. I feel like, and, you know, I'm no foreign policy expert, although we are number one geopolitical uh-huh, podcast, uh-huh. Uh, Israel would not be going as crazy as they are right now, and Hamas wouldn't have been as mad as they have been uh, if we didn't completely fuck over Palestinians in, like, every deal that Trump made with the Middle East and Middle Tr- Eastern Trump's, countries. Trump's huge peace deal, like, his uh, unprecedented yeah. peace package involved no negotiation with Palestinians. Not leaders, at all. No negotiation with anybody. He told Israel, we are going to give you Palestine's farmland. Mm-hmm. He shrunk the overall territory that palestinians had by taking away the farmland to give to israel what and he moved the embassy and he moved the embassy to jerusalem yeah yeah golly like i i don't know i feel like jcpoa and the abraham accords if if those if the jcpoa wasn't um taken away opted out of and the abraham accords never happened i don't know if we'd be in this position right now but that's just some speculation yeah, that's some also the, because with the abraham accords he ramped up tent like he he fucked over the palestinian people by normalizing helping israel normalize relations with the muslim countries around them exactly yeah like that was the only support that the palestinian people really got yeah it, it completely ignored palestinians in that deal um, and of course, they. I don't think any of these Republicans would do anything different. A lot of their takes just boil down to China bad, Iran bad. Uh, I love Israel. Israel's yes. perfect. Yeah, and they're not doing anything. City wrong. on a hill. Didn't somebody actually call it the city on a hill, or is that something else? Uh, DeSantis said something about a city on a hill, but I think he's referring to the United States. Should that be a makes city sense because that's usually what it yeah, is. But yeah. <laughs> um, one take I think we should hear from her directly on is her take on abortion. I think she was the most moderate of the uh, the bunch that was on crowd. Yes. Uh, or the the bunch that was on the stage, I think she had the most human-like position on abortion. Still the wrong take. The most moderate position. But yeah, well, for reasons we'll explain, it was the wrong take. So I think we should uh, jump into it. Mm-hmm. Apologetically pro-life. Let me make sure we get the whole thing. Of course, yeah, always context. I am unapologetically pro-life, not because the Republican Party tells me to be, but because my husband, Michael, was adopted and I had trouble having both of my children. So I'm surrounded by blessings. Having said that, when you look post-Roe, a wrong was made right. They took it out of the hands of unelected justices, and they put it in the hands of the people. And now we're seeing states vote. And what I'll tell you is, as much as I'm pro-life, I don't judge anyone for being pro-choice, and I don't want them to judge me for being pro-life. So when we're looking at this, there are some states that are going more on the pro-life side. I welcome that. There are some states that are going more on the pro-choice side. I wish that wasn't the case, but the people decided. But when it comes to the federal law, which is what's being debated here, Be honest, it's going to take 60 
Senate votes, a majority of the House, and a president to sign it. So no, we haven't had 60 Senate votes in over 100 years. We might have 45 pro-life senators. So no Republican president can ban abortions any more than a Democrat president can ban these state laws. So let's find consensus. Let's agree on what how we can ban late-term abortions. Mm. Let's make sure we encourage adoptions and good quality adoptions. Let's make sure we make contraception accessible. Let's make sure that none of these state laws put a woman in jail or give her the death penalty for getting an abortion. Let's focus on how to save as many babies as we can and support as many moms as we can and stop Thank the you, judgment. Ambassador. We don't need to divide America over this issue anymore. So that was Nikki Haley's response. Mm -hmm. And if the first thing I immediately notice is that in the first half of her argument, she's just describing being pro-choice. Yeah. Like she's saying, I'm pro-life, but I don't disrespect anybody that's pro-choice. You get to make your own decisions. Uh, that's being pro-choice, yeah, no, my brother in Christ. She, she's pro-choice all the way up until she starts talking about like banning late-term abortions and of making course. sure that these things get banned, which is the wrong take. But like, yeah, she's just the pro-choice person because mm -hmm. pro-choice people are fine with people being individually pro-life. Nobody wants to mandate that you go and get an abortion. They just want the option to be accessible. Yeah, and they want bodily autonomy rights to, uh -huh. to be accessible. Yeah, exactly. And here's the thing when it comes to, to Nikki Haley's response here. It is the most moderate of all the Republicans on stage, but I still think it's sort of insidious Oh yeah, because if she is pro-life, obviously she's going to support a national abortion ban. Mm -hmm. Otherwise, you wouldn't be pro-life, right? Because if you think it's murder, then it's got to be illegal yeah. if it's the same moral weight as murder. But also at the same time, she tries to say sensible things like late-term abortions or banning late-term abortions, but it's already not a thing that happens. Late-term abortions, I'm going to assume she means third trimester abortions, are like, what, 1%, less than 1% of all abortions that actually yeah. happen? Republicans only use late-term abortions as a sort of um, rhetorical weapon to put a foot in the door to justify further restrictions later down the road. She also advocates for like cheap contraception, which is obviously good. But again, it's just like a, it's a platitude. She's not actually going to support that. She would say somehow by some miracle, she wins the presidency. It doesn't matter that she's ostensibly like kind of pro-choice yeah. on the issue because she wouldn't veto a national abortion ban. She mm -hmm. would never do that. She'd be fine with all of the uh, pro-life uh, senators yeah. that are up there. I don't know what she meant. She said, maybe we have 45 pro-life senators. Dog is 50. Yeah, you've got 49, 50. however many people conservatives have in the Senate right yeah. now. Like you've Every single one of them is running out there on a pro-life platform. I don't know what you mean by that unless she's projecting that they lose, which would be cool. I'm I'm not sure she might mean maybe she's thinking of like the five most moderate Republicans and how they wouldn't vote to ban abortion. But I don't know that it's like actually five wouldn't vote. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know exactly what she was referencing there either. Huh. Um, but she tries to come off as moderate, which I think politically is like the lane that she's trying to occupy. But I just want to tell you all that I, I think she's lying either way. Either she's like oh, actually pro-choice and wouldn't sign anti-abortion legislation or she's lying to you as it means to try to get um i don't know women liberals on her side that don't like donald trump or you know more centrist on her side that don't like donald trump uh and then she actually would sign abortion legislation well into it's law. like with with the state's rights explanation you have all the plausible deniability you would need to go into the presidency and allow anti-abortion legislation to pass because you can get up there and say well i mean you know the people voted for this like the people voted these senators in and these senators are representatives of them so when they cast their votes for legislation it's like casting the votes for you it's what you wanted they're representing you mm -hmm. so of course i can't veto this this is the will of the people yeah and it's it's crazy because like if this is her position you know ban late-term abortions sensible abortion policy she would have straight up supported ohio issue one 
Yeah. Because that's what that was. Mm -hmm. It said the state can ban abortion after fetal viability, which is third trimester. Uh, But before that, you have to have access to this right. You can't be punished for it. And we'll talk about Ohio issue one in a little while. Um, Like you would be in full support of that, but she isn't. No. Right. Yeah. Because she's pro-life. If you believe it's murder, then you can't justify any any ban that's not 100 percent because it's murder in your eyes. Yeah, I, she she 100% is trying to occupy like the moderate lane. And I think that's kind of the only lane that you can occupy if you're mm. going against Trump. Like, what do you do? Go like further right? Yeah. I, I, I don't know if that just <laughs> literally just be an out Nazi. I don't think that would really win you a general. Mm-mm. Like <laughs> as far right as conservatives are, I don't think that that actually work for you. And you can't just be Trump too because Trump one is right there and he's coming yeah. back. Well, and Trump two is DeSantis and he's not doing well. <laughs> exactly. He attempted Trump two at In least. In some polls, the moderate is polling ahead of Trump too. Yeah. Like, yeah. Luckily, Nikki Haley has no chance of uh, winning the primary. Because yeah. so. <laughs> I think that message would sell because it comes across as a bit more sensible, especially if people do believe that like democrats want uh post-birth abortions or fucking yeah, whatever especially because like obviously abortion being on the ballot has won every single time it's been yes, on a ballot yeah. ohio wish issue one again you're gonna have some of the most if not all democrats are pro-choice and some conservatives are pro-choice mm-hmm. you're gonna have them splitting off you're gonna have those one issue voters splitting off because you know it's their fucking rights at stake yeah that's just especially how it is. especially if it's a ballot measure, right? Yeah, like I like it, that's their one chance to like really unequivocally demonstrate what they believe. And every state that it's been tested in, abortion wins, and conservatives mm-hmm. know this too. Or just if a particular race in your uh, house district mm-hmm. is going up, and if that race is made about the issue of abortion, you're gonna have people splitting off that mm-hmm. the Democrats just wouldn't. Yeah, yeah. Moving on to Vivek. Vivek. Uh, Vivek Ramaswamy. He uh, didn't have a great performance after uh, overall, he but I sucked. thought I thought he started off very strong. Mm-hmm. Kind of similar to the second debate too. Starts off very strong. I get very excited, and then he he peters off. Not just, enough gas just like in the, the other chamber. time. Kind of faded into the background. I don't know if it's not enough gas in the chamber or he just like pre-planned all of his unhinged moment, front-loaded them. For the people that only watched you know the beginning of the I feel the like that's what it is, especially the fact that he hit the drill frack burn for the third time this time. Yeah. All of his talking points have to be pre-planned. He's yeah. he's gotta have that shit right now. He's got no wit. Yeah, he just two hours memorized in his brain. He knows exactly, exactly what like, he would say to every question. Like, even when he gets in those little like petty conflicts, what does he really do? He just kind of looks and smiles at him and like, I don't know, raises his hand to answer yeah. a question. Yeah. Well, he clearly did some <laughs> oppo research because he brought up Nikki Haley's daughter being on TikTok. That, but that was weird. Which was weird. But that like was it, so it demonstrated demonstrates that he's thought like thought through some of his attacks on certain issues yeah because he doesn't know that otherwise well, right he he knew he would be attacked for being on tiktok and trying to run on tiktok mm-hmm. so he's like oh well nikki haley's adult 25 year old daughter <laughs> yes. is actually on tiktok and surprisingly like that got booed like yeah. the crowd booed him for it and i think personally it's because like who who seriously watches these debates other than like us and you guys to make fun of the conservatives College educated conservatives, the uh-huh. most annoying demographic on the planet, right? Yeah, worst and so when they when when they heard Vivek bring up Nikki Haley's daughter for doing something that's ostensibly like not conservative in any way, it reminded them of their own relationships with their kids who fucking went no contact with them because they're insane. Well, and also it's like conservative young people use TikTok. It would be a perfectly defensible yeah. argument for Vivek to say, I'm using TikTok because that's where the young people are and I want to reach all age demographics. <laughs> 
you didn't have to bring up her daughter. You yeah. didn't have to. You didn't have to name drop. So weird. It and is weird. He thought he ate with that one too. <laughs> yeah, he, he fucking thought that he ate. But oh my god, she's twenty five too. I would get it if she had like. It'd be crazy still, mm-hmm. but it'd make more sense if she had like I don't know a thirteen, fourteen year old daughter. Yeah, and they were on TikTok doing stuff. He could be like, "You're letting your daughter's mind uh, get rotted by this social media app." At least I'm an adult aiming it at adults, but no. She's 25. She's an adult woman. Like, yeah, doing her own thing. God. Yeah, that was really weird. But my my favorite Vivek moment had to be his oh, opening statement. Good, man. His opening statement. The first 30 minutes of Vivek were his best performance, but uh-huh. his opening statement got me very hyped, uh, as well as the Boots moment, which we can talk about in a moment. But I want to uh, I want to play this clip for everybody. Okay. It's about a minute 15 long, so uh, let's take a quick listen. Man, that's so good. Let me uh, set it to the beginning. We've become a party of losers at the end of the day. We have a cancer in the Republican establishment. Let's speak the truth. I mean, since Ronna McDaniel took over as chairwoman of the RNC in 2017, we have lost 2018, mm. 2020, mm-hmm. 2022, no red wave mm-hmm. that never came. We got trounced never. last night in 2023. Mm. And I think that we have to have accountability in our party. For that matter, Ron, if you want to come on stage tonight, you want to look the GOP voters in the eye and tell them you resign, I will turn over my yield my time to you and frankly look so the people real. there are cheering for losing in the republican party think about who's moderating this debate this should be tucker carlson joe rogan and elon musk on, we'd man. have 10 times the viewership <laughs> asking questions that gop primary voters actually care about and bringing more people into our party you think the democrats I and mean, we've got christian why Wilson, are they clapping you think the democrats would actually hire greg gutfeld to host a democratic debate they wouldn't do it and so the fact of the matter is, I mean, Christian, I'm going to use this time because this is actually about you in the media and the corrupt media establishment. Ask you the Trump-Russia collusion hoax that you pushed on this network for years. Was that real or was that Hillary Clinton made up disinformation? Answer the question. Go. <laughs> I know that last part sold over really well with uh, teenagers and old white men. Honestly. They loved that one. <laughs> holy shit. They love when he singled out the woman. Like Lester Holt's right there, dog. Yeah. <laughs> you, you could you could just say NBC. You don't need to single out the one woman there. Man. Uh, okay. A couple of things to unpack here. Uh, Tucker Carlson, Joe Rogan, Elon Musk. Chronically online. He's just the meme candidate. Holy shit. He didn't have to do all that. I don't know. He Yeah. He's appealing to the teenagers with that one i guess um and then i also this thing he brought up ronna mcdaniel chair of the rnc and he's blaming her for all the losses the gop has Uh had i love this idea that it's it's the rnc chair's fault for them losing and not their god-awful positions on things like abortion bans literally or eliminating trans and gay people or tax cuts for the rich and so on like it's the thing that's making you guys lose is the leadership of your party and not all of the horrible policy positions that you hold that are incredibly unpopular. It's not just because people don't like you. It's never because people don't like you. It's got to be somebody else's fault. And mm-hmm. I, I think he's aiming at Ronald McDonald because he's seen the discourse online, uh, like in the conservative media space, about how people are called. I think he's aiming for RNC chair, yeah. essentially, because so many people have been calling for Ronald McDonald to step down and been putting up Vivek as the guy to lead the RNC. Yeah. That's... No, that's a world I want to that's, live in. That'd be so. Imagine the next RNC, right? Like in in, <laughs> in in no seriousness at all. The next RNC and Vivek comes up to introduce somebody. He brings out some other guy in a wheelchair, and they can stand up for Donald Trump mm-hmm. again. Oh my God, it'd be so cool. It's like, well, think about this from Vivek's perspective. Is that better than running like the the multi million dollar company? It can't is, be. Is the RNC chair really what you want? Right. It's like when people talk about Tucker Carlson running for president. 
why would he do that? He's giving up the good, happy life to go be a fucking Republican <laughs> yeah. strategist, like the main one. That sounds awful. I mean, maybe he hates himself enough to go do it, or maybe he's narcissistic enough to go uh-huh. do it, but I, I'm not taking that job personally. No, never. You never. know what I mean? P- p- people go from politics into those jobs, not from those jobs into politics. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And there's a reason for that. Uh, moving on to Chris Christie, another lackluster performance from him. No Donald oh, Duck moment to we, speak of. We, we, I'm sorry, we can't move on to Chris Christie oh. without talking about Vivek's, Vivek's moment. Okay. When when he called out oh, the uh, yes. Dick sorry. Cheney in three-inch heels, and yeah. there's two of them on the stage? Come on. Yeah, no, that shit had us freaking out. Come on, people. We got Bootgate. Yeah. We got Bootgate right there, clear and simple in plain English. And see, this is one of the moments where we directly predicted it. Because we said <laughs> on the, the podcast that came out before the uh, the debate went up that uh, I re- we said we want someone to call him out for it. Yeah. And we got it twice. Nikki Haley did it too. That's so good. And Dick Cheney and Three and Shields, that's fire. Yeah. That is so fucking sick. And then Nikki Haley said some shit like, mine are actually five inches. I don't know about anyone else oh, or something like she that. She said, mine are something about mine are five inches and I wear them for uh, ammunition, not fashion. Yes. What? Yes. yes. <laughs> I, I don't know what it meant, but it was clear that they were talking about Ron DeSantis and heels. And that's all I wanted, right? Didn't have to make sense. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. But Dick Cheney and three inch heels was sick. He said, we got two of them. That was it, great. It did what it needed to do. Yeah. It did what it needed to do. And now we can talk about, uh, the two people left, which are also the two people who just absolutely sucked any energy out of the debate when yeah. they were on screen. Anytime it panned over to Chris Christie or Tim Scott, who we'll get to in a moment, it was uh, really a nothing moment. Mm-hmm. Uh, Chris Christie came across as probably like second most human to Nikki Haley, but it's clear like in this Republican Party, he doesn't stand a chance. He's way over his head. Oh, yeah. He does not belong there on stage. I, I couldn't think of any memorable Chris Christie moments. Oh, fuck, man. Um, None. I Yeah. I I, re- I really don't know. The only thing I think about when Chris Christie is how much I fucking groaned when he got on the stage mm-hmm. because I wanted to hear like Nikki Haley fight with somebody. Yeah. That, <laughs> that's what I wanted. Uh, I guess he had this one moment where he said like, we're pro-life, but not for the entire life. And it's like, that's my line. Oh, you know what I'm yeah. saying? What, whoa, that's what I say. That's not what you guys say. <laughs> yeah. yeah, you're right. He talked about how like, oh, we're pro-life. We need to be pro-life for the entire life, not yeah. just before you're born. And he mentioned the uh, 16, we need to be pro-life for the 16 year old that's addicted to drugs. And we need to be pro-life for the 50 year old that's also addicted to drugs. He couldn't have think of any other like <laughs> yeah, way that drugs. people are in destitute positions. It's uh-huh. only if you're addicted to drugs. Uh-huh. Uh, so that's kind of funny, but it's like, okay, Chris, what are you going to do to help them? Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, like notably, it takes some state investment, which is communism to you guys. Yeah, he he had he had some line about how addiction is a disease, which like, yes, it is, but you guys do nothing to fix mm-hmm. it. You guys only criticize when measures to fix the disease are enacted. Like, um, oh God, we talked, was it like episode- the clean tw- needles? Yeah, yeah, episode 21, uh, Plug Talk featuring Joseph Robinette <laughs> Biden. remembers that's It's one of my favorite titles where- Oh yeah, conservatives were up in arms about a plan that Joe Biden like signed and gave federal funding to that would give out clean needles to drug addicts as a harm reduction measure. Yeah. Not as a hey, go do all the drugs you want. It's harm reduction. It's don't get infections, that sort of thing. Yeah. Exactly. Conservatives yeah. would never get behind that. Chris Christie would never do that, even though that's what's been proven to work. Yeah, yeah. Moving on to Tim Scott, uh another snooze fest. Oh yeah. Not very many not very many memorable moments out of Tim Scott. Spent most of his time dancing around questions. And apparently I didn't know this until after the debate. Okay. Uh when all like the the people on the the stage at the end of the debate had like family members and stuff come up for photos. His girlfriend was there. Oh, for real? Blonde white woman, yeah. No way. So uh, I guess his his girlfriend's real unless she's like a paid actor, actress or <laughs> he's, something. He's, he hired an escort for yeah. the night. <laughs> yeah. He brought an escort for that. Guys, my human girlfriend is very real. 
And then he smiles that uncanny. My human scary girlfriend smile. is very real. Then he goes to the back and, and brings her out, and her arms are just at stiff out like <laughs> yeah. it's a real doll. That's all it is. He did have one direct answer on abortion. This one's a much shorter clip. I figured we could uh, take a listen to what he says okay. and offer our scathing precise commentary oh, hell yeah. on what Tim Scott thinks about uh, uh, abortion for the U.S. Let's take cool. a listen. I'm 100% pro-life. I have had 100% pro-life voting record. I would certainly, as President of the United States, have a 15-week national limit. Mm. I would not allow states like California, Illinois, or New York to have abortion up until the day of birth. So, importantly, not happening. Uh-huh. Uh, abortions are not happening up until the day of birth. I, it's just a lie. Did he also after say, oh, and uh, after birth? Yeah. Like he, he also dropped that one in there a little bit after. Yeah, that's that's good. Yeah. Uh, they're always talking about, like, uh, post-birth abortions and stuff like that. But, again, he – so Tim Scott does something a little bit different than Nikki Haley. He tries to frame this 15-week abortion limit as the consensus of mm-hmm. the issue, which is arbitrary because, right, the, the decision of when abortion should happen should be informed by the patients and the doctors. But – um it's it's nonsense right it doesn't mean anything and if he gets the chance he will make abortion permanently banned because again if it's murder if you're pro-life and you say it's murder how can 15 weeks be justified exactly is it not murder before 15 weeks at 14 weeks and six days it's not murder Mm -hmm. it doesn't make any sense it's a totally incoherent position And it it is really funny seeing them hearing them hit the uh abortions up until birth and even a little bit after after they just fucking lost Mm -hmm. after they just lost and after it's been proven to be the most losing piece of rhetoric (laughs) that they could get out there and say like come on man and i also i think it's golden how tim scott did the thing where he said we need to be pro-life after birth kind of similar to chris christie Mm -hmm. where he is on record voting against the (laughs) child tax credit i looked it up he was one of the senate republicans to vote against the continuation of the child tax credit talk about pro-life after birth that's like the one thing the child tax credit i'm going to bring it up later as well brought 2.9 million kids out of poverty Uh uh-huh that was a good thing, dog. Yeah. It, That's pro-life after birth. It cut child poverty by like what? 5% or something like that? Some crazy. That, yeah. It cut it like in half. Oh, not 5%. percent it in half. 40%, yeah. something like that. But it went from like 10% to, to 6% or something like of that. Of the right? overall yeah, yeah, like yeah. Popu- por- proportion of children. Yes. Yeah. That's what I meant to say. Uh, but yeah, the one thing that you could do to be pro-life after birth, you didn't do it. And there's also, of course, free in-hospital births, free prenatal care, free pregnancy tests, free daycare, the child tax credit. Like there's all kinds of things you could do that he will never propose because he doesn't actually care. And this is just an argument he's making for public consumption. So he doesn't look as monstrous as he really is. That's sick. Yeah. I love electoral strategy. Uh, that ends out all of the Republican candidates that yeah. were on the stage. Oh, this is true. This is true. Overall for the debate, that shit, um, I, they talked about China way too much. Way too much. Yeah. I got lost. China, the biggest foreign policy issue, foreign policy, the biggest issue they talked about. They talked about Biden. Nobody even said Bidenomics. I think the moderator said it once. Did he? Yeah. Oh, man. But like, and Ron, Ron said it once. He said, I'd, I'd throw Bidenomics in the trash. Which oh, is like, thank God. What does it's that like mean? Not notable, which is hella disappointing. Like, mm-hmm. they didn't hit the like Biden inflation rhetoric. Like, that's what I'm here for. Yeah. I, I, mostly, I'm here for domestic issues because this is, I don't know, a domestic election. Mm-hmm. I, I'm not here to hear about how China bad for 40 minutes. <laughs> yeah. I, they didn't even hit on the classic things that they usually do. No. Incredibly disappointing talking about foreign policy for an hour and an hour yeah. and 20 minutes and then Bidenomics once. And then I don't even know what they 
immigration and abortion was like the other two things that they talked about. Yeah, and they even brought up immigration during the the Israel stuff and during the China. Yeah, well, because Hamas is coming into the U.S. Well, of course, they're flooding through the southern borders. You know those tunnels that uh, they're bringing fentanyl through in big semi trucks yeah, underneath trucks. the ground mm-hmm. uh, in Hamas style tunnels Ooh, underneath yeah. the ground underneath the southern border. <laughs> they're bringing in big trucks of fent that uh, also have Hamas militants in the back of them. Well, yeah, notably the Hamas tunnels you can drive cars through. They're not like very narrow and only humans can move through. Yeah, them. Ex- exactly because. <laughs> It's it's uh, everything is bigger uh, in Texas. Ex- so, well, ex- precisely, that's it. <laughs> so, I- including Hamas, way bigger <laughs> down in Texas. Though I also want to mention another immigration take from Vivek. How he said we we should basically wall off the entire United States. Oh, man, that was so. Let's build a wall in Montana. Yeah, God, yeah. we're literally man. just becoming the island of parody. And like we're just building a wall around our entire country. He said that shit after saying, actually, like there are a lot of. Uh, um, he didn't say this exactly, but this is just something that. I I had seen beforehand. I think it's something like a significant percent of people on the terrorist watch list or some shit like that actually come in through Canada. Mm-hmm. And then after mentioning something akin to that, he goes, that's why we should wall that shit off too. It's like, that's clearly not the solution. It's big like, dog. no, th- the argument there, my point in bringing that up is that the wall is not going to work. Yeah. Like, that, that's more of an issue than what we think of here. This is just racism. Yeah. And he's like, no, let's also do racism and more wall. Yeah, yeah. The the GOP is really trending towards isolationism. It's very interesting. Uh, but you may be asking, where was Donald Trump? Mm-hmm. He was actually holding a rally in Florida, same place where the debate was. I don't think anything notable came out of this rally. Did Was was there something no. that, that slipped through my fingertips? No, it was just a bunch of his cronies. I don't think there's anything too crazy that happened there. I didn't watch it, not going to watch it because, you know, I'm, I'm protesting him not <laughs> coming and participating yeah, yeah, yeah. in the debate. But the one memorable thing he did say that I did see in a clip was that Biden isn't too old to be president. He said oh, he's just well, incompetent. He, he has to hit that yeah. because he's like three years younger than mm-hmm. Biden. Yeah, Biden's what, 81? He's 78 or something yeah, like that? Like yeah, like he, he's forced to hit that one. He literally, I mean, to be fair, he could go on there and say Biden's too old and his supporters would fucking believe him because yeah. to, to them, he's, I don't know, the second coming of Jesus fucking Christ. Yeah, and he's in his 20s. <laughs> exactly. He's vigorous. You know, his doctor uh-huh. said he was the healthiest guy that's ever been in the White House ever. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> he's like an yeah. ox, strong but like ox. He hit that, uh, Biden's not too old guys exactly guys, not, whoa 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 pump whoa, the brakes this is ageism everyone's a liberal we've been saying this <laughs> uh final thoughts on the debate i thought it was better than the second one the second one yeah. was by far the worst that one sucked snooze fest probably because ronald reagan was mentioned so many times and it was at the ronald reagan library exactly yeah, yeah. in liberal california yeah um, this one was in cool miami florida <laughs> yeah they're all still demons nothing's changed there but uh i am glad penson and doug bergam weren't there that was good that was yeah. good i you know what i would have traded I, I think I would have traded Tim Scott or Chris Christie for Pence. Yeah. I, I think I would have. I, I would have killed to have another moment like, oh, you know how to, you want to know how to stop school shooters? Uh, kill them. <laughs> yeah. Novel take. Incredibly novel take. Uh, moving on to election night 2023. I think so. So if you don't know, this debate happened in the context of Republicans getting absolutely smacked around during the November 7th elections. Oh my God. That was something they hit on, on the debate for like two seconds. And they yeah. started talking about, they're like, you guys are fucking losers. And they said, <laughs> yeah, we know. Let's talk about foreign policy. Why doesn't America like you? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Let's talk about China bad. <laughs> yeah. 
let's talk about issues that literally will make people like us less. Exactly. Um, but there were uh, elections on November 7th, just pa- this past Tuesday. You may be a little confused and say, uh, but it's 2023. That's an odd number year. Why are we having elections? What's going on? Some states do elections during odd number years. It's kind of annoying. It, it is a little annoying, but it gives us something to talk about. That's true. Now we have basically every year is an election year. But I think we could do a, a quick run through of election night 2023, count the major W's, and then I want to zero in specifically on Ohio, which we'll do afterwards. So Democrats won both chambers in the Virginia legislature. Absolutely insane. Which is absolutely huge. After two years ago in 2021, Glenn Youngkin won the governorship, a Republican. So Democrats controlling their state legislature is a very big deal for abortion rights uh-huh. and all kinds of other stuff. Human embodiment of a soggy cookie. Yes. In the in the gubernatorial office. Mm-hmm. And then he, he's been doing such a, such a bad job, I guess, that everyone's like, no, we have to absolutely sweep the state. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's just like uh, Michigan and I think Pennsylvania almost pulled it off and then Minnesota mm-hmm. just getting uh, not full trifectas, but um, at least not a full trifecta of Virginia, but just absolutely cleaning house exactly. in their elections. It's good news. And other news out of Virginia, Danica Rome, who, uh, who won one of the state Senate seats in Virginia, is the second trans state senator in U.S. history and the first one out of the South. Which That's is pretty, pretty cool. big. That's pretty big. Pretty cool news. Uh, If we head over to Kentucky, Democratic Kentucky Governor Andy Bashir won again, keeping the state from having a Republican governor. Kentucky is namely Mitch McConnell's state. Mitch McConnell and Rand and Ron Paul's state, if you want to talk about family legacy. Yeah. So Andy Bashir had a a huge campaign there. I think he ran on abortion rights. uh, And also I heard that he received uh, in a lot of the places that received storms in Kentucky, he got a lot of the votes there too. So I guess he's, he's doing something right. And it's also it like disaster. he he got all of these votes despite doing almost everything he can to stop the conservative legislatures like anti-trans bills. Vetoing like everything. Yeah. He, he's been vetoing hella shit. No. Like doing, again, doing everything he can to stop the conservative agenda from going through. Yeah. And he's still getting voted in. Makes me think, how the fuck is Mitch McConnell still a senator? Mm-hmm. But uh, Same state, whatever, right? yeah. whatever. Same state. In Pennsylvania, Daniel McCaffrey, the liberal candidate, won the state Supreme Court seat, which is huge for Pennsylvania mm-hmm. and any challenges to abortion there. And then my final little story before we go into Ohio. In New York, Yusuf Salam, a member of the Central Park Five, who was wrongfully imprisoned as a teenager for almost seven years mm-hmm. before being released, won a city council seat representing Harlem. Oh, hell yeah. On a pretty cool platform, actually. Um, nice. All stuff we would agree with. Criminal justice housing. reform, yeah, stuff like criminal that. Justice policing, Naturally. Yeah. yeah, he said right-sizing the police, but we know what that means. You okay. know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, good news. So, um, yeah, pretty pretty big news overall for Democrats. Pretty big news for um, the progressive agenda in general. And it's right? like, what is it? We 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 didn't lose in the sense that we didn't lose in any places where we were supposed to win. Mm -hmm. And we only gained in places that we knew we were going to lose. Yeah, well, um, I I think everyone thought Virginia wasn't going to go as well as I didn't think Virginia was going to go well. I didn't at all. I had had tuned in for like a second during election night just to like see the numbers. And I had seen one district where uh, a a third party candidate was like actively siphoning votes away from Mm -hmm. a Democrat. I was like, oh, no, they're just going to get spoiled out of the race. But no, they came through. Yeah, and I think uh, if I've if I've got this correctly, I think Glenn Youngkin took a 15 week abortion ban position right before the election started, oh. or maybe a couple weeks before, which is like terrible politics because yeah. he just gave the election to the Democrats. They cannot help unpopular. themselves. That's uh, crazy. And also just kind of insane. Like, why would you do that? 
Yeah. Like you don't have you can wait till after you secure majorities <laughs> and then unleash, you know, all the insane shit you want to do. That's what every other politician does. That's they, the way they, you gotta do it. That, that's how it's supposed to work. You're supposed to like lie about your platform and then do all the bad things after. Yeah, he's got the order of operations out of control here. But overall, oh, pretty man. good news. Now, as I said, I left out Ohio on purpose. I want to zero in on Ohio really quickly. Mm-hmm. So last week, Ohio voters voted to protect abortion rights 56% to 43% with issue one. They also leave legalized marijuana in the state 57% to 43% which is all good Pretty news wide margins very wide margins and again abortion won in a basically red state maybe if generously we could say a purple state but ohio's uh-huh. pretty red at this point abortion won but that's not where this story ends oh i want to talk a little bit more about issue 1 okay issue 1 because it succeeded would basically repeal all existing abortion restrictions once interpreted by state courts so republicans in ohio have made an effort to remove the ability of the courts to interpret issue one and kick that power back to the GOP-controlled legislature instead. Oh. And if you don't believe me, I have a statement from a group of Ohio uh, Republicans. They said this directly. They said, quote, to prevent mischief by pro-abortion courts with issue one, Ohio legislators will consider removing jurisdiction from the judiciary over this ambiguous ballot initiative. The Ohio legislature alone will consider what, if any, modifications to make to existing laws based on public hearings and input from legal experts on both sides. In another press release, the Republican Ohio Speaker uh, Speaker of the House said, quote, The legislature has multiple paths that we will continue to explore to protect innocent life. This is not the end of the conversation. So here they are directly usurping what the voters want yeah what like it's all states rights it's all let the voters decide and then when the voters decide they say actually no we're going to use our majorities which we got through gerrymandering to make it so courts actually can't protect your right to an abortion even though you just said you want to protect the right to an abortion and and in in the most the most democratic process we have in this entire country mind you but this is also just again evidence to show that nikki haley's position is bullshit Mm -hmm. It, it doesn't matter what they do because they again they go and say these things states rights no it's actually the right thing it got kicked back to the states the states can choose and then they don't speak out when there's conservative state legislatures the people on their side just actively undermine that yeah and then the states choose as they want as they argued for as they said it was the uh, legal precedent that should be set yeah. and then once they have majorities as they do in a lot of these red states through cheating in elections <laughs> with gerrymandering they just uh, restrict the ability of courts to actually enforce what the voters actually want. Insane. It's it's totally undemocratic. And as you said, uh, ballot measures are the most direct democracy we get in this country. It is the best version of a democratic procedure that we actually have. Mm-hmm. And they want to, in Ohio, take this away. And they're doing this for the, the weed amendment as well. Really? Yeah, they're doing it's, it for both. I'm pretty sure both of those issues have like 70% approval mm-hmm. from the general public. Massively popular. Why? 40 point difference in popularity. Near unheard of for Mm -hmm. other things. Come on. And they still want to stake that. Those are some of the two most popular issues in the country. Yeah, legal weed and abortions. And they want to sit here and say, actually, no, 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 no. We're going to do whatever we can to get rid of this shit. Well, exactly. Republicans have an unpopular platform, and the only way they can win is if they use their power over institutions to enforce their will on everybody else. Mm -hmm. That's exactly what they're doing here. And even if you want to um, challenge that by saying that the ballot measure was ambiguous, we can read it. It's actually very clear. It says, quote, this was issue one, by the way. It says, quote, every individual has the right to make and carry out one's own reproductive decisions, including but not limited to decisions on contraception, fertility treatment, continuing one's own pregnancy, miscarriage care and abortion. Very similar to the Michigan Amendment, actually. It also stipulates that the state cannot punish 
or penalize anyone for exercising the right. And it says the state can limit abortion at fetal viability. That's it. That's sounds, the entire amendment. Sounds incredibly clear and not vague at all. What the GOP is doing here is they are honestly just relying on the um, assumption that their constituents are ignorant. Mm-hmm. They're just going to say, nobody's actually going to read these bills. Nobody's going to understand what's in it. Let's lie about it being vague. Yeah. And that's, I'm pretty sure that's been a strategy to try and defeat the other ballot measures going around is to just lie about the contents. Well, yeah, because I think uh, Vivek on the, the debate stage said something about it lets minors get abortions without parental consent. As you can tell from what I read, it says nothing about parents at all. Yeah. So I don't know what the fuck he's talking about. Some people, not on Ohio, I think it might have been Kansas's, uh, their vote back during August, I think. Yeah. I think some people said it was like, oh, it's going to allow uh, your children to transition Dog, without parental consent it's like it actually doesn't say that bill it actually can't at all no no that's crazy because even if it even if it did explicitly say allows minors to get an abortion without parental consent cool yeah what's wrong with that okay why should the parent decide about abortion why why would the abortion be able to (laughs) parent be able to force their child to carry a pregnancy to term it's not the parent's body that's ridiculous that's weird uh but yeah i wanted to zero in on that hopefully ohio was successful in not allowing this to happen uh because they they turned out and when you turn out and vote for something and it passes by a margin of like 15% should be in law. Yeah. Uh, not a hot take. Democracy should function. <laughs> I don't know what to say. Especially when that's a huge margin. Yeah. Especially huge. Especially when Ohio voters already turned out previously to oppose a measure that would have raised the threshold to 60%. The actually confusing measure. Yes. The actual measure that was designed to and, obfuscate the issue yeah. and trick the voter base. You know what's crazy about that one is you had to vote no on that one and it was also labeled issue one. <laughs> yeah. Ohio voters voted down that issue one in August and now voted down or voted up this issue one in November. And that was a special election, right? Yeah. Yeah, so people already turned out to do that when special elections notoriously low turnout. People low don't turnout, show yeah. up to those. Yeah, and you got to know that like at least some people got confused because yeah. the messaging is confusing because of the, the the nature of the issue. So the fact that Ohio voters still managed to get past all of that to research enough to know what to vote for here means yes, Ohio <laughs> is a pro-abortion state. God They're a pro-choice state, man. just like in my opinion, every state in the country is. Oh yeah. So. Oh yeah, and like conservative media could not help themselves i saw end wokeness famous dope sick twitter account <laughs> get on there and talk about like that's it america's made it clear most yeah. people are pro-child sacrifice mm-hmm. and that's such a cool way to frame it yeah <laughs> well it's sacrifice to who yeah <laughs> what, what do you mean child well, sacrifice? sacrifice to satan of course oh, okay. because all democrats are antifa uh contributing to satan worshiping pedophiles and groomers too Oh, okay. Alex Jones type shit. And it's funny because like in this uh, in this abortion constitutional amendment that now should be in place, it says that like, yeah, the state can regulate abortion. Yeah. It's just at, at fetal viability. Once the fetus is viable as determined by doctors, uh, you can't get an abortion anymore if the state chooses to write that into the law. And the state can choose how to regulate it past the point of fetal viability. Yeah. They could include exceptions for uh, health of the mother and things like that, which let me remind you. Almost all, I would probably say like, I won't put a percent on it. Almost all third trimester abortions, 1% of total abortions are for health of the mother Mm -hmm. or because the fetus would not be viable. The baby just can't make it. Like that's the reality of the situation. People aren't just going out and deciding at month eight that they don't want this thing anymore. Yeah. Yeah. It's always a very traumatic decision to make. And also like, you know, if Nikki Haley's advocating for no more late term abortions, you got that in Ohio. That's the Nikki Haley amendment. You know what I'm saying? Like you, this is everything you talked about, everything you wanted right here. Come out you and should support it. Yeah. You should say, actually, the GOP didn't lose. Democracy won. 
<laughs> yeah but instead she framed it as like i wish this wasn't the case like what this uh-huh. is everything you just whatever bro all in all it was a good election night for democrats last week very bad night for conservatives um it was really fun watching them all lose their minds and cope and see about how unpopular they are mm-hmm. uh good omen for democrats in 2024 i would think not sure if this will carry over to biden because biden's approval rating is not very good in the but shitter it, yeah, his approval rating is not very good, and for reasons we'll talk about, he may struggle getting votes. Uh, but Democrats still did very well, so it seems voters can disconnect Democrats as a whole from the president's performance, which is a good sign because Biden is uh, very unpopular at the moment. It's a good sign, but I don't know if that would necessarily... It's kind of like something that doesn't usually happen, and I don't know if yes, it would be able to right. carry into an election year, considering that so many of the downstream wins that we see in election year, so many of like the, the House seats that nobody pays attention to um, and other races like that only win because people are doing straight ticket voting. People mm-hmm. just say, I want Joe Biden, straight ticket, and then everyone else just follows behind him. So I don't know. It kind of worries me, stuff like See, that. But the thing is, is that usually in uh, midterm years or off year abortion or abortions, Jesus Christ, elections. off your elections, like 2023, there's a switch. You can expect the president's party to do poorly as mm-hmm. people rebuke what the president is doing. Yeah. But that hasn't happened. It didn't happen in 2022. That's true. And it didn't happen in 2023. We got a little bit of that in 2021 with the Virginia governor election. But since then, it's been abort. Or it fucking hell. It's been Democrats in abortion winning. Yeah. Uh, on elections. So I I don't know what this means for 2024. We are bucking all historical trends at this point, and um, yeah, we're living in un- unprecedented 2024, times. 2024, hella up in the air right yeah. now. <laughs> hella yeah. up in the air. It's crazy, and I mean. We can get to talking about it. Oh, boy. We can get this to talking a, about it. This is a, a bit of discourse that has been melting both of our brains. I'm so, uh, all Context. All of this week, I have been seeing people... We talked about it on the last show, Yes, I think. We talked about it a little bit of... I think it would be ignorant to take what is going on in uh, in Gaza, the mm-hmm. ongoing genocide, the, the morally reprehensible actions of the Israeli government, and see Biden's complacency in it and say not to vote for him in 2024. Yeah. I've been seeing hella takes on TikTok that disagree with me from big creators like LOL Overruled yes. got on there and said, you cannot vote for Joe Biden. It would be immoral to vote for Joe Biden. And I guess what I want to do here is I not correct the down. record, but break it down, break down the argument and talk about why I feel like that position, the position to say a vote for Joe Biden is a vote for genocide is almost purely aesthetic Mm -hmm. it's not rooted in actual principles actual material analysis and understanding how the electoral system works and how power is uh taken and power is accumulated yeah and i would just say before we get into it like it kind of like you already alluded to being on the left at least for me is all about analyzing where power is centered in society Mm -hmm. and making decisions about what would be moral action based off the outcomes you can predict by engaging with institutions and wherever power is centered yeah we are born into an imperfect cruel world and we have to contend with the systems that are put in front of us it's not our choice Mm. we we have no option you are immediately morally implicated as soon as you are born in the system that you're born into and you have to operate within it to affect positive change and when it comes to elections or when it comes to revolutionary action or protest demonstrations these rules still apply yeah um yeah that's what i would say to get into it nice nice and i guess the big question here that underscores this all if not joe 
than who? Mm-hmm. No incumbent president in the history of United States primary elections has ever been primaried. That's right. And in addition to that, the historical records suggest that strong primary challengers weaken incumbent presidents and make them more likely to lose, like in the cases of George H.W. Bush and Jimmy Carter. Yeah. Yeah. No point in history has any president has there been an attempt at primarying a second termer. Yeah. And having it work out, everybody's lost. Well, and, and even if you um, even let's let's ignore the primary for a second. Say Joe Biden gets to the general election, and presumably Donald Trump is going to be the mm-hmm. person that he faces in the general election. Again, you you all already know how this works, but the electoral college only allows for two viable candidates at a time. Yeah, because of the first past the post system, there can't be a third party candidate that doesn't siphon votes away from whoever the two front runners are, mm-hmm. and whoever they're siphoning votes away from, the other person wins. So yeah. a vote that doesn't go to Joe Biden is just a it, it's not necessarily a vote that goes directly to Donald Trump, but it lowers the vote threshold that Trump needs in order to win. And as we know, Trump is worse on every issue if we go bar for bar and compare him to Joe Biden. Exactly. That's the simple moral. And like it's not about I, I understand people want to vote for Cornell West. People want to vote mm-hmm. for um, uh, Claudia de la Cruz or wh- whatever the, the socialist party candidate is running. I understand people want to vote for somebody else. But the unfortunate truth is that the math that motivated us in 2020, the math that should have motivated us in 2016, hasn't changed. Yeah. The electoral system is still the same in the United States. You still have to vote for harm reduction. There's no way around it mm-hmm. because morality and moral action is determined by what produces the best outcomes for people. You have to vote for harm reduction. Yes. And I understand what Joe Biden is doing is horrible. But if you go bar for bar, compare him to Donald Trump, Donald Trump would do it worse. 100 percent. That's and it. We will like we, we will illustrate how Trump will do it worse on almost literally every fucking issue. But before we get into that, I wanted to highlight this comment that we got in our tick in uh, on Jeremy's TikTok where he talked about this exact issue. One commenter said, if I vote for Joe Biden, how could I ever look at my four-year-old and tell him I voted for genocide? I'll tell you. You tell your chi- your child that you took a good hard look at the options and in a situation where there was nothing good, mm-hmm. there was nobody who would fix the issue directly, you did what you had to do to reduce suffering broadly mm-hmm. because that's what it's all about. And I choose to talk about this comment in particular because I think it highlights how these arguments are essentially moral grandstanding. It's putting yourself up on this high horse and just disengaging. It's yeah. aesthetics. The fundamental question at hand here is whether or not you can abstain from the trolley problem. Can you happen upon those tracks, find yourself in mm-hmm. front of that lever just to walk away and say, well, I don't think the trolley should have been going in the first place. Yeah. And realistically expect yourself to be clean of every any moral responsibility for killing four people instead of one. Yeah. Like you you can't do that. As soon as you as soon as you are made aware of what is going on, as soon as you happen upon the lever, you have to act. You have to do what you can. You have to pull it and reduce suffering. Yeah. Here's the thing is that again, when we are born into society, we are immediately morally implicated. And because our systems are cruel and unfair, the system makes villains of all of us. Mm -hmm. Nobody's hands are clean, but it is important how your hands get dirty. And if you're not willing to take action to reduce as much harm as possible, you're not making the moral action. And some people get this confused with an argument that Biden is going to lose votes because of this. He's going to lose votes from Palestinian Americans or others that are angry about this. And I get that, right? To the extent- I totally understand. To the extent that Biden will lose votes- 
uh, and perhaps even lose the election over this issue, it's his fault and it's the fault of the DNC. Mm-hmm. But that is separate from the moral imperative that you should vote for harm reduction. Yeah. It doesn't mean that like, these are completely separate scenarios that we're talking about. Will Biden lose votes? Probably. And I recognize that. But should you not vote for Joe Biden? That's a different moral question. Mm-hmm. And we're going to say you got to vote for harm reduction because that's the only option if you want to take the moral action, which you should, within the political system. And it's I, I understand the feelings surrounding this issue. Genocide, obviously, is one of, if not the greatest evil. Yes. Yeah. Unequivocally, one of the things in the world that is just unequivocally bad, there's no other way around it. And Joe Biden is actively choosing to fund this and yes. give his support to the genocidal apartheid regime that is Netanyahu's government. But what would the GOP do if they won the next election that would alleviate any of this? What yeah. would they have done if they were in the position that Biden is in right now? Yeah. It wouldn't be any better. Yeah, and importantly, people keep asking us, okay, then where's the line, right? If it's not genocide, where is it? Uh, The line is when Democrats are worse than Republicans. Mm -hmm. Uh, Again, because of the election, it's it's entirely a structural issue. If we had a parliamentary system where the proportion of votes mattered rather than just who gets the most, the plurality, then I would say vote for whoever you thought was best. I would never run defense for that guy again. We we would pick a candidate and we would tell you all to go and vote for them because proportion would matter more than... uh, than Mm -hmm. than plurality would but because that's not the nature of the system you have to vote for harm reduction like that's really the only option and the only point where you wouldn't vote for democrats is if democrats weren't the uh best option out of the two viable parties or even if this wasn't a uh incumbent election year like even if joe biden wasn't the incumbent if there was a regular primary going on Mm -hmm. and we've got fresh candidates i would obviously be advocating for the best one Mm -hmm. just like i have in the past well yeah and like if we were in a primary this is what primaries are for by the way people will ask us like if you're just going to vote blue no matter who then what's the point like what incentive do democrats have to be better that is why we have always said the democratic party and its establishment are the best vehicle for hijacking and and enacting change Mm -hmm. you primary the people the milquetoast democrats that aren't getting anything done you make every race competitive as a primary and you try to take over those seats as progressives have been successful in doing to some extent oh yeah but it just because leftists are so eager to withdraw from elections we can't ever gain enough power to actually fully influence the system that's, it's self-defeating that's how we've gotten things to work although what what was the district here in michigan that had a progressive that lost the primary do you know what I'm talking about? Do you know what candidate that was? For what district? I can't remember exactly what district it was. We had talked about him a good bit. I can't remember. Either way, there was a progressive. He lost the primary. That fucking sucks. I advocated for him during that race. Mm-hmm. But still, it was important that the Democrat, although he wasn't as progressive as I wanted him to be, won that seat because it gave Michigan the tri- helped give Michigan the Democratic trifecta that we needed to do yes, things like enshrine abortion rights. I think we're doing free school lunch now. Mm-hmm. Same situations happened in uh, communist Minnesota Yeah, where, where we revived Karl Marx again thanks to Democratic trifectas. It's also easier to change on the state level than it is the federal level mm-hmm. and broadly with the democratic party as a whole so much easier to change something that already exists than build something new yes yeah especially because in this case again two-party system first past the post you build something new you can't do that without taking away from the democrats yeah and it's also a matter of historical record one of our mutuals on tiktok made a video about this which is named nate uh nate powers nate powers made a video about this he made the point where he said 
every single viable party that has won the presidency has formed off of the back of another dying party. Yeah. They've all just been um, new creations or or rebuildings, uh, rebuilded parties of ones that died out previously. Mm-hmm. There hasn't ever been a party that's just come out of nowhere and won. Yeah. It, do- it doesn't happen because it can't happen in our electoral system. Our electoral system is not designed for third parties to be viable at the presidential level. Congressional level, local level is a little bit different because that is just based on the popular vote. But on the electoral level, uh, a system that's already skewed towards conservative states because small states proportionately have more electoral votes than bigger states based on population in a system like that harm reductions. The, it's, it's the only thing you can do. I don't see an alternative. Oh, the, the calculation hasn't changed. I get that the, the conditions of the election and the issues that are on the table have gotten a lot more egregious and a lot more violent. And we've condemned Joe Biden a billion times for everything that he's done. But again, because he's not worse than the alternative, the only viable alternative in this system, there's nothing you can do except vote for Joe Biden. Exactly. Now is not the time to be grandstanding in that fashion. Yeah. There are plenty of other times, but you can't just buck historic expect to buck historical trends that have persisted longer than i've been alive Mm -hmm. overnight yeah you you can't do that i've I've also seen people make a a sort of optical argument i think hassan piker made this argument even where um they say as a means of pressuring the biden administration to be better we should at least publicly say that we're not going to vote for him uh, vote for him as a means of extracting some concessions maybe a ceasefire in gaza that sort of thing I'm fine with people testing optical arguments, even going through with an optical strategy. But again, that is distinct from the moral imperative that you have to vote for Democrats over Republicans. Mm -hmm. It's not the same thing, right? We're talking about the moral imperative in a general election contest. That is an optical argument. It's an optical strategy that is, while related, distinct from what we're talking about. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And I mean, the the fact of the matter here is that the two-party system is real. While I desperately want for it to change, that change isn't going to happen overnight. It would be ignorant to expect so. And so we have to work within it while it's around. And I want to use an analogy to put this in terms that we as leftists should understand because we deal with it all the time. The argument that a vote for Joe Biden reinforces a two-party system that's inherently corrupt and thus makes the voter complacent in that corruption via them not burning it down instead is fundamentally the same as when conservatives say, oh, you're a socialist, why do you have an iPhone? Yeah, exactly. Uh, because both obs- both obfuscate reality in order to highlight some hypocrisy that doesn't exist in any meaningful context. Yes, I am against capitalism. Yes, I participate in it. Sure, you can say that's hypocritical. What does that mean? Yeah. Where can we go from here? Well, importantly, when it comes to voting, uh, revolutionary action or quote-unquote burning the system down has nothing to do with voting. Yeah. That is not an electoral strategy completely separate when we were talking about moral action within the bounds of elections again we're talking about harm reduction but if we're talking revolutionary action we can talk revolutionary action Mm -hmm. but that's not an electoral strategy these are distinct strategies these are distinct sets of moral behaviors that we can talk about it's not the same thing yeah and it's when talking about revolutionary action this is another one i think the left is uh, really big on especially uh, some progressives online revolutionary what happens after the revolution you yeah. you can't just get a, to have an actual revolution to be able to meaningfully go out there and dismantle a system and rebuild it from scratch you need a movement mm-hmm. you need huge support you need huge coalitions you need infrastructure for that revolution to even 
come to fruition, to even happen, yeah. to even be able to fight it. And then you need a plan for how you're going to govern after you take that power. Yeah, I guess all of this is to say that I feel like leftists, ironically, they're very cynical about elections, but they also expect too much out of elections. Yeah. Elections are not the be all end all of political change. In fact, political change has to happen in a lot of different ways. There's a, a multitude of ways that you can affect political change, revolutionary action, movement building being a couple of those. Elections are just one tool for mm -hmm. impacting change and for wielding political power that we have to use because we have to, as leftists, get our hands on as much political power as humanly possible and use it. Elections, again, voting, again, one possible area yes. where we can be politically effective. If we want to enact change, and I'm talking systemic change, you know, uproot capitalism, change the world kind of change, that's going to require far more than engaging in elections. Yeah. But until that happens, can we please not let people like Donald Trump win? Un un it's the bare yes. minimum. Until we get to the position where we can actually, I don't know, create a real movement that isn't just fucking online mm -hmm. and that is a majority of people and a, a huge amount of people in this country, we kind of need to vote. And I think a lot of leftists just see that and they disengage with electoral politics in general by saying oh well you can't vote out fascism or you can't beat fascism at the ballot box you can stop fascism from starting at the sure you can't beat it at the ballot box when hitler's in power he's going to do what he can to stop anyone from being able to vote him out he's going to seize famously it all. voted in <laughs> but hitler was voted in he was elected yeah you stop fascism at the ballot box before it happens mm -hmm. i'm sorry but if joe biden is a fascist what is donald trump well yeah it, it's that of course like these clearly donald trump and joe biden are not the same we've been making this argument for yeah. a long time but as I said, if we're talking about stopping fascism, again, there's more than one strategy or method you can employ for enacting change. Yeah. Using your vote is just one. And you shouldn't expect, you should not expect to be able to go and vote and then literally everything change. We've never made that kind of change argument takes before. so much time. Nothing like so that much has time and so much more, before. So much more effort than just voting. Do you think, if you reflect on successful movements of the past or movements of the past that have had any amount of success, the civil rights movement, do you think that they thought they could just go and vote and then everything would change? No. Or that their vote for president meant that they were fully endorsing everything they believed? Every fucking Democrat and Republican was racist back then. Yeah. But they, I guarantee you, they voted because they understood that using any amount of political power to make the environment a little bit more advantageous to them would mean that they can get more done. Mm -hmm. And the goal is ultimately always to get more done, to make more people live happy and healthy and to reduce harm as much as possible. And it's like, Conservatives don't do this. Conservatives Never. don't get out there yes. and tell their people not to vote because they're not happy with a how, I guess, not as racist Trump is as yeah. he could be. Yeah. Conservatives don't go out there and say, okay, so just like don't. They consolidate. Even when, even when they're doing their rhino shit, they consolidate power. That's that's what happens. That's how it is supposed to happen. Mm -hmm. That's how we have to work within the system because that's our enemy. Our enemy, the conservatives, so much more organized than we are. We, yeah. we're, we're fighting for crumbs. In the Democratic Party right now, we, we we're at the beginning of the movement. And that's the other piece of it is that a lot of people, they, they might accept all of that, but then say like, well, Joe Biden's doing terrible things. Agreed. And he should be punished for it. And the yeah. thing is that gets me is like, like it or not, Joe Biden, 81 years old at this point, he's fucking won. He's yeah. got he's won literally everything. He's the president of the United States. He was a successful senator before. He's beloved by millions of people in this country or at least liked by a lot of people that voted for him. You're not going to punish him. That's not how any of this works. And if you think 
Democrats losing punishes the party, you're insane. Democrats they love losing, losing. Punishes you. Yeah, they they love losing. They they don't do any meaningful strategy that they can to try to win. I agree. <laughs> they fucking suck. Yes, like. they absolutely love losing. But we're not talking about punishing Democrats. We're not talking about who's responsible if Joe Biden actually loses. We're talking about the moral action of you as the individual when you consider going to the ballot box or not. Mm -hmm. Again, like, you can't opt out of the trolley problem, and there is a correct answer utilitarianly when we know what the outcomes are going to be when it comes to the trolley problem. And if if that's not convincing, if like the, the theory behind it, the ideas behind how we should consolidate power aren't convincing to you, I, I have policy. Yes. I have comparisons yes. that we can make. What would the GOP do if they were in their position? I can tell you right now Trump would be doing the same exact thing, if not worse. Yeah. Through rhetoric we saw at the last GOP primary debate and from Trump himself, conservatives want literal, quote, ideological screenings mm -hmm. and to reinstate travel bans from Muslim countries. Trump literally said, quote, if you hate America, if you want to abolish Israel, if you don't like our religion, which a lot of them don't, if you sympathize with jihadists, then we don't want you in our country and you are not getting in. Yeah, very free speech of him. Very super free yeah. speech. Oh, if you criticize the government, then we don't like you. I don't know. That's kind of sounding like China. Mm -hmm. That's kind of sounding like all the China bad that you talk about right now. But anyway, Trump and DeSantis have both said that they would not accept any Gazan refugees. Trump, during his presidency, moved the U.S. embassy from Israel from uh, in Israel from Tel Aviv to Jerusalem, which directly escalated yeah. tensions between Israel and Palestinians. He completely blocked off any option for Palestinians in the West Bank to regain. Um, half of what is it East Jerusalem yeah and ramped up things that were going on there yeah. again he offered to just take away their farmland to yeah. give it to Israel to use for like a strategic military place which the only strategic military spot that farmland is going to give you is starving your opponent yeah like like yeah. come come on now what, what are we doing this is not serious this this isn't serious and this is worse than the things that a biden has done before and you can't tell me that trump wouldn't just give them the money further on his relation with israel amit sagal chief political analyst for israel's channel 12 told a reporter from the new yorker quote netanyahu got everything he wanted from trump and in fact because of that and ahead of the 2020 election trump was more popular in israel than he was here with 63% of Israelites supporting him opposed to 17% supporting Biden. Yeah, yeah. That's kind of wicked. And also importantly, like if we're talking about deaths, it is like statistical truth that Trump increased the drone war more than Obama had in his four years and Joe Biden brought it down after he got into office. Yeah. Like if we're talking about people dying, infrastructure getting destroyed, like bar for bar, uh, come on now. Like if you care about escalating conflicts yeah. about just indiscriminately killing people in the Middle East, the drone war in general, like I so I, I hate to be petty about TikTok comments. Yeah. But there's this one dude that got in our comments and said, actually Trump seems to be more anti war than Biden, so maybe I will vote for him <laughs> instead. Okay, maybe I'll be the most unserious person in this entire like eight hundred comment comment section. That's crazy, dog. Oh man, he fell for the no new wars rhetoric. No, literally, he like bit it. does he actually think that he'd oh, solve yeah. the conflict in twenty minutes? Like Trump himself says he'd get his he'd yeah. get ukraine russia done in 24 hours i don't understand like i know you have a lot more to get through but like i don't understand why this issue and a lot of other foreign policy issues just perfectly show why everyone doesn't understand the principles of the ideology they say they belong to yes it's just like yes four people on the online left are have our position as well <laughs> Everyone else is just either slightly off, like they're they're a little bit misguided, or they're just fucking delusional. Yeah. 
Like, I, I don't get it. Where did everyone's principles go? It's like this. Everybody wants a genocide and, and nobody has principles. Yeah. It's, it's, it's blowing my mind. And it's like, as soon as something like that's happened, it seems like people forget that politics is interconnected mm-hmm. and they're falling for the politics is only what's in front of you right now. Yeah. I understand that this is a pretty big thing to be in front of you. Yeah. A huge deal. We've been talking about it for a month. We've been talking about it longer than a month. We talk about it every time something has happened in Israel-Palestine. One of our first, like, ten episodes was about the raid on the Al-Aqsa Mosque. Yeah. We've been covering the last two years of this conflict. Like, I yeah. understand it's bad. Over the summer, I think we we covered the... Um what was it? It was some operation that went into the Jenin refugee camp, I believe. Yeah. Where Israel like purposefully made the conditions worse and just like killed a bunch of people. I- insane. We've been covering this for a long time, more than I know most online leftists even think about it. Uh-huh. So. More, more than the people fucking commenting on our videos saying yeah. that, oh, an- another white liberal coming through. Oh, no, my those are, God. It, those are the funniest to me because I know that I'm onto something when people's response, like 10% is of the you're a liberal. Of, Come is, on. Uh, yeah, you're white or you're a liberal, especially because like a hallmark of being a uh, a true leftist, a socialist, is getting called a liberal by somebody. I, I just, I just the liberal comments are so funny. Yeah. The liberal comments are crazy. Look at literally all of our other posts, dog. Mm-hmm. Look at all of our other posts. Oh Especially because like the five videos we posted before are all like dunking on Israel. Yeah, yeah. The, I think <laughs> all the, of our feed. The later. last video posted before that is us making fun of them for Harry Potter posting, mm-hmm. making fun of Israel for being a uh, corny in the meme war, which mm-hmm. is a, a very bad offense. Yeah. Like, come yeah. on now, come on now. But even back to Trump and the yeah. rest of the GOP, the people who are actively in power right now in Congress have started saying that somehow Hamas is a real threat to us here in the U.S. Mm-hmm wholly unserious they have got on debate stages and said that hamas is coming through from the southern border people (laughs) what what are we talking about joe biden and trump are the same on this issue Mm -hmm. what are we talking about i mean like fuck man gop presidents were calling for boots on the ground in mexico yeah because of shit like this they've been using this to ramp up anti-mexico rhetoric anti-immigration rhetoric they're not the same Mm -hmm. they just Art. Oh my God! And that's just the issue with Israel. This is this is just the Israel issue. Mm-hmm. This uh, is completely outside of all of the domestic politics yeah. that we have to consider when voting on our um, own domestic president. You know what I'm saying? Outside of the border, yeah. uh, because but Bi- Biden is very different. Maybe outside of the border, because you know the border gets a little. He did the whole Title 42 stuff. I don't like him. Yeah, no, but I mean, immigration's been marginally better than it was under Donald Trump. I mm-hmm. I don't know deportation numbers, but I know that um, more people get in if that's any consolation prize, because like both presidents, every president is pretty bad on immigrants, right? Yeah. Obama, deporter in chief, famously. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, abortion and foreign policy, Republicans and Democrats are very similar, but they aren't exactly the same uh-huh. with the, uh, the key... Um, distinctions that you pointed out and of course on domestic policy it's completely different so when somebody asks us like harm reduction for who everybody literally everyone harm reduction for literally everyone literally literally everyone let's fucking talk about it to be clear harm reduction doesn't mean that harm goes away right Uh it's in the term harm reduction means that less harm is done which is a morally uh, a morally preferable outcome to more harm being done Mm -hmm. if you have your choice between a uh, hundred harm and uh, <laughs> seventy five harm. I'm going to choose seventy five harm. I'm not just going to walk away and say those shouldn't be my only options. Yeah, guys, ev- evil isn't just evil. There are degrees to it. Yes, a lesser evil is uh, objectively more good than an <laughs> eviler evil. Like, yeah, come precisely. on, precisely. <laughs> 
again, you're morally implicated automatically. You don't have a choice. You're a part of society. It, it's just how it is. You got to make a decision. And it's like, even if we consider like just Biden being president, because I understand there are a hell of a lot of other things that contribute to policy. Biden's agenda, a president's agenda is never going to be wholly executed on. Mm-hmm. J- just because of how For it sure. works they have to have a congress that's on their side to even have a chance at doing what they want to do and getting a congress on your side hell of a hard time to do uh, also you, you know what i'm saying even if you get to 60 like it doesn't guarantee that every democrat in the senate is going to vote for your shit exactly See joe manchin kirsten cinema but by just having a democrat in office today in 2020 by just voting joe biden in he was able to remake the nlrb the national uh labor relations board in a way that allowed for the intense increase in labor activity and pro-labor decisions over this past year massive pro-labor fucking court decisions precedent Mm -hmm. has been set because of joe biden's nlrb yes that's big for everyone and that's not harm reduction that is just good yeah no that's straight up good uh importantly like that's not incremental change yeah that's like the biggest movement we've had on labor policies in years and years and years decades barack obama didn't do that Uh -uh. fucking neoliberal bill clinton didn't do that Like labor unions, Joe Biden recognized labor unions are coming back stronger. They've been getting more attention, especially since COVID hit. And he, at least his his NLRB, which he appointed, did a really good thing. Yeah. Many really good things for labor unions. And, and that cannot be ignored. And I'll be fair. I didn't like what he did with a railroad strike. Mm, I spoke, We spoke out ardently against how he took the side of railroad CEOs and effectively uh, negotiated against the workers there. That was a bad move. But his NLRB has brought more good moves exactly. to that. And he also bucked historical precedent once again and showed up on the picket line to support UAW workers in their strike against the big three. He was just at a press conference with them, too. Exactly. You know what Trump did when the UAW workers were striking? He went to a fucking factory that was outside of, like, the union's reach, like an anti-union factory, Mm -hmm. and just shat on them. And he had a propaganda visit, yeah. Exactly. He uh, he effectively ran an anti-union rally. At a non-unionized shop. In the midst of a UAW strike. Tens of thousands of members of the working class fighting for better conditions. Mm-hmm. That's a win. Yeah. That is something that is strictly better under Democratic leadership. So I'm not going to sit here and say that they're, it's exactly the same. And and to be fair about the railroad workers thing, like, yeah, that was bad, but they did get some concessions. Yeah. I think they obviously should have been allowed to strike. The fact that Congress and Biden can make it so they just can't strike is ridiculous, uh-huh. right? It's a form of class warfare. But the fact that they still got some amount of concessions is good because, again, Trump in office, that doesn't happen. Trump probably would have broke Trump, that shit. Yeah, Trump breaks the strike uh, worse than Biden. Did, right? <laughs> exactly. Yeah. It's all harm reduction. And this isn't just, oh, harm, re- harm reduction for who? Only for privileged people. My position is that it is privileged to say that harm reduction is a privileged stance. Mm-hmm. Because, again, you, you cannot abstain from the system. Look at the good that has happened because we've reduced harm, right? Again, the child tax credit lifted an estimated 2.9 million kids out of poverty. That happened because of the American Rescue Plan. Mm-hmm. And then it was taken away by... All 50 conservatives and like Joe Manchin. Yeah, yeah. It was it was initially passed under Donald Trump, continued one time under Joe Biden, and then ended because Republicans still had political power in the Senate. Yeah. And Joe Manchin, of course. And they, they wanted to take that shit away. Yeah. That that was something that was bad. More Democrats we didn't have them. More Democrats in the Senate would have meant 
Yeah, that's not even harm reduction. That's just straight up good. Yeah. Would have meant a good outcome. Yeah. And morality is based on good outcomes. People are, again, saying, oh, Joe Biden didn't deliver on his campaign promises. Student, yeah, I agree he didn't deliver on his campaign promises. For some of them, sure, whatever. He just didn't follow through on, like, things with the environment, proving the Willow Project. I understand. Again, Trump would have approved that shit twice. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? He would have proved that shit twice. He would have proved the shit bigger. He would have proved it harder. But things like $15 minimum wage. Yeah. All failed because of like three Democrats and every conservative. Yeah, it's yeah. I think a lot of the time we do misplace responsibility and let conservatives get away with like being terrible because we just assume they're going to be terrible. Mm-hmm. But like, think about the congressional level, right? Like, AOC runs on Medicare for all. I think every time she's up for election, yeah, it never gets done. We all and we all understand that no one person can bring <laughs> yeah. about Medicare for all. Like, it, our system is based on um, balanced powers. The uh, the not separation of powers, but um, checks and balances, right? Like, of course, one individual can't just do it all. Joe Biden's done a lot through executive orders. He's done, uh, he's gotten a couple of good legislative accomplishments under his belt. Not everything we want, but like in a world where we rarely get anything good, mm-hmm. I'm going to celebrate when we get something good. That's that's what I'm saying. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. And I am going to, I don't know, try to correct the narrative when people are misplacing why these campaign promises haven't gone through. Yeah. Student loan forgiveness, big one for people in our age group, right? Mm-hmm. He has tried to he, he he's been trying like he's been giving it a good college try mm-hmm. to get student loans forgiven it is the fault of the conservative supreme court that struck down the forgiveness plan which let me remind you lest we not forget only has the insane supermajority it has because people felt yes, this way yes. about Hillary Clinton in 2016 and let Trump get power that is a direct benefit of simply just having your guy in the presidency yeah and to be clear right trump appoints three supreme court justices Supreme Court is now fucked for our entire lifetimes. It's never going to be yeah. super majority liberal. Like, it's just not going to happen. Uh, that happened because people withdrew from 2016 in the same way they're saying they want to withdraw from 2024. Now, is it the Democrats' fault for running a terrible candidate like Hillary Clinton? Absolutely. Yes, she absolutely. Sucks. Hillary Clinton is dog shit. Uh, I would say Joe Biden is better, but still, right? I get it. Dog shit candidates. However, the moral imperative, what would have been the moral action for you in 2016, would have been to vote for Hillary Clinton because she would have been less bad than Donald Trump. That's mm-hmm. it. And That's the whole argument. Even despite Biden uh, failing to not be able to do the debt forgiveness that he originally promised and originally wanted to do, he has still forgiven. A Bloomberg article came about about came out about this, I think, yesterday. Mm-hmm. He has forgiven $127 billion in debt for people across the country. For people that got scammed, yeah. That's material. Yeah. that That is real. That is material change that's happened for the working class. Yeah, a lot of people get scammed by Navient, uh, like the, the private uh, yeah. student loan. And, Sally May. Yeah, the, the private student loan bar uh, servicers. Um, sometimes people have things get that get fucked up with their federal loans. I think a lot more people... The SAFE plan, right, is the a thing done plan. through executive order that is huge for... Um, uh, student loan borrowers. Th- that is going to materially benefit me yeah. in like three months when I start it, paying my shit off. Yeah, that's not a thing that happens under Donald Trump. Refinancing plans isn't a thing that happens under Donald Trump. Like the Republican Party wants to reinstate the interest that was taken off during COVID. They want to retroactively apply that. Like things materially get worse for people if Republicans win. I think that's pretty obvious. And I think uh, another another issue that people fail to recognize as harm reduction because it's not necessarily clear that a harm is being reduced is that while yes, at the at the federal level, we're not passing legislation that is very like um uh there to alleviate issues that minority communities have. We're not passing legislation that makes it illegal to ban trans people from certain areas. We are not passing legislation that is uh, helping with police brutality and issues like that. 
However, I think it's wrong. I think we should pass that legislation. However, it has been on the conservative party platform to essentially just fucking kill trans people. Yeah. So yeah. I'd rather us not pass things that, um, like when those are the only two options to just not pass the bills that hurt people directly. Yeah. And I would rather have someone in office. That's not a mouthpiece for wanting to kill all trans people and rather just says like, everyone's valid, Jack. Exactly. You know what I mean? Uh, how many genders are there? At least three. Like, like we, We've been critical of the Biden administration for his stance on trans people in sports and a, and a couple of other things that he's actually touched on, like with executive orders yes. and um, LGBTQ people. But it is much better to have just a, an advocate uh, who just gives lip service to the LGBTQ rather than someone who would actively demonize them. Again, mm -hmm. it's it's just harm reduction. Legislation should be on the table, yeah. right? We should absolutely, and, and legislation has passed, right? The oh, Defensive Marriage 100%. Act was amended to include um, LGBTQ people, which was a minute uh, incremental step towards the right direction, but was still good. Something that was opposed by Republicans, right? Things have gotten better. Some legislation has passed. We need the more to get done, but the flow of history is such that you never really get to withdraw, right? Yeah. And I think that's kind of like how I feel about all this is like, I feel like a lot of leftists uh, think, and, and I like I understand where this is coming from. They want things to be better and they want to live in a world that feels better. But utopia is never going to happen. Oh. Karl Marx never talked about communism as if it was utopia. You mm -hmm. know what I mean? It's always going to be a struggle. It's always going to be working towards something better. And when we get things that are improvements, we have to, one, celebrate them, and two, recognize that they're good so we can continue to replicate them in other areas. Yeah. And if we just completely abandon the process because we haven't gotten everything we've wanted or because bad things are happening, then things will just get worse. And, and, and then we're abdicating our moral responsibility to try to make things better. Exactly. 100%. Exactly. None of this is to get out here and run defense for Joe Biden and run defense for the complacency of the Democratic Party. These are things we talk about and call out. I don't know, like every week. Half the time. Basically. Yeah. Most of the time. Whenever something happens to call it out, we are there calling it out. And Half of our reviews are like, I'm glad you criticize both sides. Exactly. Right. I'm, I'm glad you guys shit on the Democrats. I love it. It's one of my favorite things to do. Like, yeah. <laughs> Come on. Come on. It's not to do that. And I would support a third party candidate if it was viable. Absolutely. But I have to ask if Bernie couldn't do it in 2016, what makes you think that Shank Uger or Cornell West can mm -hmm. right now in well, this political landscape? And importantly, Cornell West isn't running in the primary. Yeah. Right. Like he, I know the people that are advocates for third party think the spoiler effect is like the spoiler effect is like a derogatory term, but it is a real thing. Mm -hmm. If you look at the votes that went to third party candidates in key swing states like Michigan, Wisconsin, et cetera, in 2016, had those votes gone to Hillary Clinton, Donald Trump doesn't win. Yeah. Now, again, is it the DNC's fault for running a bad candidate? Yes, 100%. but that doesn't change the moral imperative for you as an individual. And it's also the fact that Bernie understood this and he ran in the primary. And when he lost the primary, although I don't think he should have, he didn't decide to withdraw and run as an independent because he knew he would siphon away votes from Hillary who needed to win to stop more bad things from happening if Trump won. Mm -hmm. And look what happened. Yeah, yeah. Like, like how? It's just it's not realistic to put your to take your vote away. To just throw your vote away on a third party candidate. Yeah. Yeah. It's the system that we live in. And that's, that's just that. Yeah. I would love to get behind a progressive platform. I really would. Yeah. I think, I think part of the problem is, and I think this is an effect of, of capitalism that I can try to articulate. I think we feel so atomized as individuals and so much, uh, we, we feel so like cogs in a machine 
as an effect of capitalism, which is, is by design, yeah. that we are incapable of viewing ourselves as moral actors. We think of ourselves as passengers or observers in the flow of history, when in reality, we all have some amount of agency. Mm -hmm. We all have some amount of, of moral capacity that we can use to make moral decisions. It's not just us watching everything happen. It can certainly feel like that, and you certainly don't have a whole lot of power, but you are, by, the, uh, by matter of you being a U.S. citizen, you are... Um, imbued with some amount of political power that you can use at the ballot box yeah. and elsewhere. But if we're talking about just elections, we are talking about voting for the least bad candidate, given the system that we have. You are a moral agent. Everyone's a moral agent. And you have a moral responsibility to try to make outcomes as good as possible. And if that's not an option, make them l as little bad as they can. <laughs> exactly. Right. Exactly. And it's like Marx understood this, right? Mm -hmm. If you're a socialist and you're thinking about opting out, Marx understood that we, uh, he said something along the lines, and I'm, I'm paraphrasing. He said, um, we, uh, we make our own history, but we don't make it as we please, right? Yeah. He said the traditions of previous generations weigh like a nightmare on the brains of the living. He understood that we don't get to create the conditions that we want in order to make history. They are given to us. They are transmitted to us. And we do what we can with what's in front of us, the power structures that exist, and try to affect as much change as possible. As I said previously, nobody's hands are clean, but it matters how they get dirty. And I'd rather dirty my hands trying to make the world as least bad as possible while doing other things outside of elections than just opt out entirely and act as if I have the moral high ground. Mm -hmm. That's all it is. And, the, and that's the official hit stance on this one. Uh, yeah. Let me put a little seal of approval right there, baby. Come on. And the last thing I want to say on this is like, and this is just a thing I, I observe yeah. broadly within leftist communities. We are addicted to failure. Oh, 100%. we love failing. Like it's it's the one thing leftists can consistently do. Our favorite thing is getting on a moral high ground and sometimes just straight up alienating people who would otherwise be a part of the cause. Yeah, yeah. And I've said this before, but the the history of communism or socialism or leftism generally as a political ideology, at least in contemporary politics, is the history of failure. Mm -hmm. Again, not because leftist ideals are bad or wrong or misplaced or the arguments are weak, but because either leftist movements are crushed or we self-destruct, yeah. which is what I feel like is going to happen now, right? We need to, as leftists, be able to understand how material reality impacts people and how that material reality is determined by where power is centered in a society. If we're not able to do that, if we're not able to understand how institutions function and how power systems work, then we are doomed forever and we will once again be condemned for failure. Like, you you remember there's a thing that people talk about every once in a while. It's like a CIA or a FBI document or some shit that said like, oh yeah, one of the ways that they like to go in or they used to like to go in and disrupt leftist, communist, Marxist movements was just by uh, adding more people so that more people are talking and fighting about things and really? just debating it all into hell. <laughs> Maybe that's our comment God section. damn, man. It's all, they're all feds. They're yeah. all feds getting in there and just trying to stoke the flames, get us to infight so we can never actually coalition build. Yeah, I just... I I want people in our audience that are, you know, like-minded individuals to understand that, like, we, we don't have to keep failing. We don't have to keep fighting amongst ourselves. But in order for us to be successful, we have to seize power. And that will mean making bedfellows with liberals. Yeah. It's just, like, that's the only option. Because there's no... Uh, ubiquitous class consciousness in this country, or at least a majority of workers are nowhere near class consciousness, there is no option for like a revolution right now. Mm -hmm. And as such, we should take to the streets, we should protest, we should engage in other means of seizing power and claiming optical power, but we should also exercise the right to vote while we still have it, 
and not let Republicans end all elections forever. Mm-hmm. Or even if they don't do that, at least, at the very least, not let them win so they make things worse for LGBTQ people, they take away the right to an abortion, et cetera, et cetera. It's been a crazy week. Yeah. <laughs> crazy, crazy, crazy discourse that's going on out there. Of course, if you disagree with us, as always, sound, oh, and sound off in the comments. The other thing I'll say, one of the other comments we got is just like, um, this is not the time to be saying this. Like, make this argument later on closer to the election. It's like, okay, I, whatever. You know what sure. I mean? Like, I, this is honestly, it make like, it any this less is true. probably the last time we will, like, speak on this for the short future yeah just because it's a it's a chronic like i admit that this is probably a chronically online issue yeah because i also admit that for the same reason that we can't just burn down the system burn down the united states electoral system right now and institute new revolution is the same reason that i realize like yeah the left is small Mm-hmm. The left is incredibly small. We don't have the this massive world. coalition that we can do crazy things with. We're not a block. Like uh, pr- progressives, maybe are forming a block that people actually have to think about. But it's still kind of small, mm-hmm. especially compared to like I don't know suburban white women. Yeah, <laughs> you know. Yeah, no. Uh, I don't think Joe Biden's very much worried about like the leftist vote. No, but he, they would be worried about the leftist vote if we engaged in electoralism a little bit more. Uh, then he would actually have to pander to us. If we didn't actively speak out against it and say, oh, no, this shit doesn't fucking matter anyway. Yeah. Because it does. You you take power where you can get it. I, I, I like to win. Mm-hmm. I, I like to get out there and win and do good things. Yeah. Hot take. Or at least make it so things are less bad than they would be. Yeah. Then we know they would be, yeah, right? Well, like it's, it not is, a, it's not it, a guess. It, it is a good thing to just, I don't know, usher forth less evil. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I would think so. Uh, so if we had to summarize, um, don't... Uh, Focus on what the principles and the axioms of your beliefs are, not the aesthetics and how your beliefs make you feel. Right? That's very important. Yeah, and it's also like, on the why are you talking about this now? We're talking about this now because so many other people are also talking about oh, this Oh, yeah, right those now. comments are never under anyone else's Yeah, books. those comments are never under the people who are like, you cannot vote for Joe Biden. You cannot do any of this. It's, it's morally wrong. You'll be morally implicated. It, fucking divorce yourself from electoralism. Nobody says that to them because like mm-hmm. that's that's the aesthetic position right now. It's not sexy to say go out go out and vote, guys. Mm-hmm. It's not sexy to say go go vote for the eighty year old liberal. That I know you, I sound that annoying. Kind of hate. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Also, it's like uh, we live on land that was stolen from people hundreds of years ago. We are the imperial core of the world and benefit from colonialism all over the place. The clothes we wear were made by children. The the stuff that we eat was uh, harvested by slaves. Like we're already morally implicated in the system. And and that's why I say it's the same argument as the socialist iPhone thing. Yeah. It's just to point out a hypocrisy that doesn't meaningfully exist. Yeah. Yeah. If it's like morality is a score, we're like negative a million when we're born. Right. And, and like, <laughs> yeah. there's nothing you can do about that other than do your best to limit harm in any way that you can. And to do that, you got to understand where power is and how to wield it. And that's what leftists seemingly can never get a, a grip of. And I, I don't know what I have to do to explain to leftists that don't believe us how bad Republicans are going to be. Yeah. We talk about it all the time. We post about it all the time, but that we still get leftists in our comments saying like, oh, yeah, well, Democrats are, are just as bad. It's like are they're th- clearly not. Are, are they really? Look at what happened in Minnesota. In yes. Minnesota, they got the smallest one fucking seat. Ma- a one seat majority, literally the tiniest majority you could possibly have. And they instituted, dare I say, radical change to uh-huh. the state. They got in there and did like, what, 11 good things in like one day. It's a decade's worth of progressive change. Yeah. 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 It's insane. And that's because people believed in like... 
Again, the electoral system, not the end-all be-all. It is one tool. But people believed they could use that tool, and they wielded that tool in order to get the right people in office. Mm -hmm. But there is a time and a place for talking about what right people should be in office. Mm -hmm. And now we're past that point. Yeah, yeah. And that's it. And, you know, speaking of people who like reducing harm, <laughs> <laughs> if, if I'm going to talk about people who like uh, reducing harm, people who are good, people who want like less evil in this world, hopefully, I got to give a special thanks to our patrons, starting with Caden Kraut, Lord T, L Lord Tao the Radiant. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a new one. I, I, I like to that. change the name. Excellent. Well, I can't believe you fucked that one up. I, I'm so sorry. We we always oblige when the name Do we get the name change that somebody mentioned? in the Yes, YouTube? I got it. Fuck yeah. See, look at us. We're so good, morally oh, right. Oh, and if your name's not on the list, let us know. Yeah, harass us. You know what to do. Sound Sometimes off. we get lost in this <laughs> Well, special thanks to Caden Kraut, Lord Tao the Radiant, Chris the Postman, Christy Beck, 40% Spite, Dylan B., Andrew Harris, Mike Chaplinski, Mattias T., Omar Zuno, Clayton LaFed, Mark Yeager, Kaz, Caleb Joy, Rich Taro, Tari, Gavin Mayer, Maldonado, Hunter W., Fergalaki, Max Vezquez, Jacob Rogers, Colton Mooberry, Fixer Punk, Jim Egbers, Jeff Muzzy, Bagel Burrito, Cincy Alex, Joe Stenstrom, Adrian Sandoval, Chloe Sam 601, Colleen Cutts, Gregory Isn't My Name, Veryuk, Jennifer DeVoe, Big Bird Titty, Crawfishing, Bennett Bennington III, Alexia Benati, Nietzsche, Big Booty Beatdown, Moises T, Sam Maloney, Two-Headed Boy, Ben Shapiro's Boyfriend, Jonathan Cassis, Luke O'Shea, Cucker Tarlson, Dan Danielle Jackson, The Word of Microsoft, Jennifer Sines, Aaron and his Gundam Gundams, Darth Father, Aiden Taylor, Corey Chambers, Sewer Snack, L.E.N., John Glover, Devin Hatchard, Retro Mondo, Mondo, Meatball Minion, Emma the Dew Slayer, Claire McMillan, Breezy B, Veronica, a.k.a. V, Raxon, Ash Smith, The Grottler, Magic Ian 95, Flower Clown, Beetlebugs, Three Crows in a Trenchcoat, Lonnie Rogers, Slavic and Sapphic, Casey Lynn Kelly, Snake Eyes, and Hope of Giants, AK Gone, Aquana Don, Zach Lantian, Info Russell, Austin Greif, Marcus Corbett, Caleb Roper, Taylor Rensock, Ishi Teddy, Cami, Calliope, Reagan Not Like the President, Pagan Jester, Tylan Freeman, Steak Daddy, Tay Tay, Isaac Hodges, Madeline C, Pab the Pab 69, Kayla Lowe, Anna Valenic, Eduardo Diaz, KCC, Say Yes to West, August, Natalie Valinsky, Particular Pikmin, Sir Capalot, Jeff Sines, Howard the Duck, Brennan is Egg, JR, Drew Batchilder, Froggy Gumdrop, Evan Malika, Zen doing their best, Jackie Boy, Shameless, Coherent Babbles, Naomi Valentine, Nikki Nine Lives, Sasha, MJ is Sharp, and my mom. Thank you all for supporting the show on Patreon. Yes. Um, it is uh, It is so sick that we can go from talking about, um, I don't know, electoral politics and why it's important to seize power where you can and why it's a good thing and why Joe Biden, while we don't necessarily like Democrats, is the best we got to saying Big Bird Titty and Big Booty Beat Down. <laughs> it's quite a shift. <laughs> Within like, I don't know, like a two minutes. But it's, uh, you know, it's. I wouldn't change it for anything. Damn near American. Exactly. That's, that's what I have to it's say about it. Dream. We literally couldn't do it without all of you. Exactly. So thank you very much, and uh, we'll see you next week. Have a great week.